Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Yesterday was a programme I don't think we'll forget in a long time. I don't think any of the presenters here yesterday will ever forget the uh, the uh, the programmes and the information that we were imparting and the enormity of it. I mean, it was very interesting to see in the paper today that Susanna Reid broke down when she was doing an interview with somebody, and I don't think there's anybody here who didn't get choked up talking about the uh, atrocity that took place. The world sent its love to Manchester. Everybody. Everybody around the world, you know, there were a few people. There was a very odd situation where they cancelled this morning and cancelled loose women, uh, which they would because we're dealing with a with a serious, a serious explosion and serious loss of life. And can you believe that people were tweeting about how bad it was for them to take off the two daytime programmes that they obviously enjoyed? And we have news channels and they can deal with it. Can you believe that there are sick people like that out there? The answer is yes, we can. Yes, we can. Anyway, on the programme this morning, after five, we'll we'll start talking to a few of our reporters uh, up in Manchester. We'll have a chat to uh, Theo as well about what this this moving this this terror threat up the ladder means. I don't know what it means. Is it like DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 4 or something? I don't know what it means. Does it mean that we're going to be putting more police on the streets, more soldiers on the streets? But can they stop anything? Can they seriously stop anything? I mean, do we have to train the soldier? This, I mean, these are just standard questions which anybody would be asking, especially after yesterday when somebody was able to walk into the foyer and detonate a bomb packed with ex- uh, with explosives and with nails and with nuts and with bolts and everything else. And you'll see the pictures in the paper today. It's carnage. It's carnage. The images that we watched on the television yesterday uh, are nothing to the bodies which are strewn all the way around the foyer. I mean, it's just... It's going to take a long, long time for people to get anywhere back to what you could laughingly call normality because the people who are going to be affected mostly by it are going to be children. Little children who don't know this. You know, some of them, I think, thought it was some sort of joke. It was like a cartoon or something played out in front of them, but it wasn't. It was real. And when you see blood and you and you see bodies lying around, little children are exposed to this. They remember. They could be having nightmares for years to come, years to come. It's just, you know, absolutely awful. And for the people who are still missing friends and family members, there's quite a number of people still missing. Where they've gone to, I've got no idea. Uh, they named the evil bomber, piece of filth that he is, and um, he went off jihadi training. He obviously has got, uh, as I say, not only screws loose, but uh, no brain capacity, a piece of sheer filth straight to hell. No turning back. Uh, the police went... How they found him, I've got no idea. How? Do, I mean, I did predict yesterday. I did say by the end of today we'll have a name of this... Per- As he was blown to pieces, how do they find him? I mean, he worked in a bakery. Apparently he went to a normal school. He was uh, well-educated, born in this country. But quite clearly, as I say, he was a simpleton. He was a piece of scum who quite clearly... And I don't know where in the religion it says you have to kill children. This was a deliberate targeting, as you know, yesterday. I don't want to go over it again and again and again and again, which I did yesterday, because we were working with very sketchy information. There was very little that was coming out. The police were keeping things close to their chest, but they managed to get his name. I mean, how they did that, I've got no idea. But uh, was he on the radar? I don't know. I don't know, but they managed to get pictures of him. They've got a picture of, uh, of Safi, the youngest victim, Uh, of the concert blast, only eight years old. You can't explain to any parent and you can't explain to any grandparents or brothers or other sisters or cousins or nieces or nephews 
what it's like to lose somebody eight years old. They've not even begun to live, have they? Not even begun to live, not even done anything. But I was I was heartened yesterday by the amount of emails that I got from people all over the world yesterday saying, can you pass on, you know, our thoughts to the people of Manchester? And that I thought, you know, but they won't appreciate that at the moment. I think they've got so many other things to think about. Um, and it was just, it was, it was just too dreadful for words. But as Theresa May says, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. I don't know where. I don't know when, but it will certainly happen again. And it's no good us sitting here and trying to sort of sugarcoat it and go, well, I think they'll all be on there, you know, watching for their backs and all this kind of thing. They couldn't care less. They but to them, you see, it doesn't matter if they blow themselves up at the same time. They think they're going to a place with lots of virgins. Unfortunately, the virgins are generally lesbians over there, and they're not remotely interested in any of these blokes blowing themselves up. They're not remotely interested. But, you, but I don't know how you convince somebody. I don't know how you convinced somebody, but was it Darren saying earlier on, what could anybody ever say to you that would possess you to blow yourself up? You know, I'm sorry, uh, you're going to blow yourself up, you're going to kill children. Oh, right, uh, children who are what? Anti-ISIS? No, they're just little children. They don't know what ISIS is, they've got no idea at all. Oh, right, so we're just going to blow them up. Yeah, OK, that's fine, I'll do that. And that's the mentality of it, because they are, there's something seriously missing in them. Intelligence would be the first thing. I feel sorry for their families, actually, you have to live with this scum. You know, because this bloke, surely, he must have a mum and dad. He must have. They, they, unless they've sort of gone into hiding, going, oh, my God, it's our son. And then there's his brother who's been arrested as well. How do they find this out? I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm, just, I'm in awe of what goes on. So was he... Over the radar, under the radar, already not even been seen on the radar. But uh, either way, we'll try and unravel it again this morning. I know you've heard it on so many programmes and you've heard everybody's arguments and people saying... I mean, I heard some woman earlier on, I wasn't sure if she'd turned into a, an apologist. She was saying it's because we've done things in other countries that then it's, it's tit for tat. And it sort of comes back again. Oh, Olivia Campbell's mother, Olivia Campbell's mother, had breaking news, has just confirmed that she's died... Olivia was one of those 23 now. We've just gone up 23 in the last in the last few minutes. Uh, she was in hospital. She was one of those who was uh, who was quite seriously ill. And her mother has confirmed that she has just died. So that's 23 now. 59 people injured. 12 children under the age of 16 have been taken to eight hospitals across Greater Manchester. Olivia Campbell um, uh, was just 15 Fifteen, and uh, she says uh, in a in a Facebook, uh, she says, "R.I.P. My darling, precious, gorgeous girl, Olivia Campbell, taken far too soon. Go sing with the angels and keep smiling. Mummy loves you so much." That awful. That awful. Oh dear. I can understand why Susanna Reid gets it because you're reading something out. You're talking about somebody who was alive, who now isn't alive anymore, and the family have to have to come to terms. With things like that. It's all 15 years old. Mind you, an, eight, an eight-year-old on the front of the sun this morning. Little Safi. Eight years old. Apparently, uh, Mrs Campbell had been on uh, Good Morning when her daughter was missing. And then she broke down in tears. I mean, you can imagine how these people are feeling. We, as I said yesterday, you've got no idea, have you? Until it happens to you. Until you lose a child. You know, And this isn't anything to do with them. Nothing at all. They go out. They go to a concert. They buy their uh, tickets. And uh, they have a nice time because they wanted to go and see Ariana Grande. And, um, and then some piece of filth 
like this. I mean, the trouble is, it doesn't matter what words you use, does it? I could F and blind all over the place and it wouldn't make the slightest. They couldn't care less. The people who support ISIS are generally perverts. We know that. We know that. It's not, uh, you know, they, they don't see this as anything else apart from a, a sense of joy. The joy that I get is the fact that any of those people who were killed have gone to be with, uh, with the baby Jesus, whereas the filth who perpetrated the crime goes straight to hell and burn for all eternity. And that's the good news. You just have to convince them of that. So anybody else fancies uh, taking their chances, you can go to hell as well. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. But all the other people uh, will be made saints in the eyes of the Lord. It's as simple as that. Other stories this morning. Um, Roger Moore died the other day. And he was a gentleman. He was charming. He, was, he came in twice for me over the years. And uh, I was excited on both occasions. The last time he came in, he wasn't very well. But he was still dapper. He was smart. He was articulate. He was just nice. And uh, that's rubbed off on his children, who paid a, a lovely tribute to say, you know, Pop, you were the best ever. He was. I could imagine he'd married four times. So he obviously enjoyed a little bit of the old uh, How's Your Father. And uh, I thought he was a great Bond. I liked most of the Bonds. I didn't have a favourite Bond. I thought he was good of his period. I liked uh, Sean Connery. Um, I liked... I've liked all of them, actually. I don't think there's any that I haven't liked. I think they've all been good in their own way. But I think for him, because he was the saint, I think that's why I liked him. I've got a great story to read you in a, in a moment from an Irish journalist called uh, Podrig Belton. And it's quite a nice little story, actually. And I suppose everybody's got a story about somebody famous, you know, haven't they? I mean, I've got stories about people famous, people that you've met and uh, and you go, God, they were lovely, or you've met somebody. Very rarely, seriously, I could probably count on one hand people who've been an absolute pain in the arse. <laughs> Sorry, I just I can't work a thing of describing it. You know, where you look at somebody and think, why have you bothered coming in for an interview? It really isn't worth it. But I literally, on one hand, and not even filling the hand up, because 99% of people are really, really nice. But uh, I've got this... I'll read it now to you, actually, because I'm not, I'm not particularly bothered about timekeeping on this programme. We didn't, didn't bother about it yesterday, and I'm certainly not going to bother about it now. Not after this amount of time. So this is the Irish journalist, uh, Podrick Belton. He says, As a seven-year-old, in about 1983, in the days before first-class lounges at airports, I was with my granddad in Nice Airport, and I saw Roger Moore sitting at the departure gate reading a paper. I told my granddad I'd just seen James Bond and asked if we could go over so I could get his autograph. My granddad had no idea who James Bond or Roger Moore was. So we walked over and he popped me in front of Roger Moore with the words, My grandson says you're famous. Can you sign this? As charming as you'd expect, Roger asks my name and Julie signs the back of my plane ticket. A fulsome note full of best wishes. I'm ecstatic. But as we head back to our seats, I glance down at the signature. Hard to decipher it, but it definitely doesn't say James Bond. My granddad looks at it, half figures out. It says Roger Moore. I've absolutely no idea who that is, and my heart sinks. I tell my granddad he signed it wrong. He's put somebody else's name. So my granddad heads back to Roger Moore, holding the ticket, which he's only just signed. I remember staying by our seats, and my granddad saying, He says you've signed the wrong name. He says your name is James Bond. Roger Moore's face crinkled up with realisation and he beckoned me over. When I was by his knee, he leant over, looked from side to side, raised an eyebrow and in a hushed voice said to me, I have to sign my name as Roger Moore because otherwise Blofeld might find out I was here. He asked me not to tell anybody that he'd just seen James Bond 
and he thanked me for keeping his secret. I went back to our seats, my nerves absolutely jangling with delight. My granddad asked if he signed James Bond. I said, no, I got it wrong. I was working with James Bond now. Many, many years later, I was working as a scriptwriter on a recording that involved UNICEF, and Roger Moore was doing a piece to camera as an ambassador. He was completely lovely, and whilst the cameramen were setting up, I told him in passing the story of when I met him in Nice Airport. He was happy to hear it, and he had a chuckle. He said, well, I don't remember, but I'm glad you got to meet James Bond. So that was lovely. And then he did something so brilliant. After the filming, he walked past me in the corridor, heading out to the car. But as he got level, he paused, looked both ways, raised an eyebrow, and in a hushed voice said, of course I remember our meeting in Nice, but I didn't say anything in there, because those cameramen, any one of them, could be working for Blofeld. I was as delighted at 30 as I had been at seven. What a man. What a tremendous man. Roger Moore, who died the other day at the age of uh, 89. I'm going to cry this morning. I've just got this horrible feeling I'm going to cry at some point. Pull yourself together, Steve, for God's sake. You're sitting here till seven o'clock. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. It feels like Tuesday again. I feel like I'm reliving yesterday time and time again. But, of course, I'm not because uh, I was down here in London it's the people of Manchester who, as, as I think Andy Burnham said, he said people, you know, will go about their business today because we're not going to be stopped from doing anything because otherwise it'd be ridiculous. You'd never go out. You'd never do anything at all. And that's where radio comes into it. You know, I mean, you know, just to watch somebody on the television standing there and, you know, whilst I have every admiration for uh, television journalists, it is just sometimes pushing their way through to try and get an interview, to try and get the thing, to try and show you the images but uh, I think radio is always is always more immediate. Just an update, actually, which I, I told you a moment ago. We're not sure if the sad news that 15-year-old Olivia Campbell has died following Monday's attack means the death toll has gone from 22 to 23, because I don't know whether... Because many of the victims are still to be identified. So, so far, we've only got two people identified, her and uh, a little Safi. So that's three. three and, of course, the, the suicide bomber. Um, so when we know, we'll make sure that you do, too. I mean, either way, the... Uh, more than 400 police were on the streets. And that's what I really got, not not sort of a bit fed up, but I was sort of thinking, the Prime Minister's going, we're going to do this, going to do that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, there was talk about axing 4,000 police officers. You haven't done some laugh or something. They go over and above in Manchester. 400 bobbies get out there. Some come back onto shift again. You know, they literally, they walk the mile. They do, they do everything. They buy the T-shirt. They get out there and do something. And you're going, oh, we should axe maybe 4,000 police officers. You must be having some sort of... It wasn't her suggestion, but I mean, axe 4,000... I thought the idea is we want more police officers, don't we? Mind you, I was amazed how many turned up at this, uh, at the brothers' house of the suicide bomber. There must be about 20 or 30 people there in riot gear. Mind you, you don't know what's going to be going on inside, do you? Apparently, this estate's a bit notorious for this kind of thing. They've had problems there before with people like this. I just can't understand what sort of, you know, what goes on on their tiny little minds of, uh, of, of why you'd want to blow up children. Deliberately targeted. They weren't, you know, otherwise they, they, they could have picked... There must have been loads of things taking place in Manchester on that night. But it was only one Ariana Grande concert, and that was the one at the, uh, at the arena. I don't know. Terrible, really. Um, also, uh, today, the parents of Charlie. You know, the, uh, they want to just let Charlie die, and the parents are not, they're not backing down. They want to take him to America for, for one last chance. 
uh, to see if they can save his life. The judge has been told, this is little Charlie Gard. You remember, this was the story, and the hospital had said there's nothing that they can do for him. It's better to just let him die. And the parents, sorry, I, I have to side with the parents because I'd say the same thing. I'd be going, well, we don't want him to die. We don't want him to... Honestly, I'm going to wind, wind myself into a frenzy this morning, I can tell. Um, they don't want him to die. He's their, he's their little boy. And they want him to be given a chance. You know, everybody deserves a chance. Those kids at Manchester never got a chance, did they? But little Charlie might get that chance if the High Court go, OK, you can take him. They're not sure if he's well enough to even go on a plane. But, but they want to try. They want to do something to say that, you know, if he, if he does die, and it does look as though he might... You know, we did everything in our power. We did everything we could to try and prolong his life and to make him live a little bit longer. But it looks like that the courts might overrule and they might just have to wait until he dies. But they don't want to do that. And you can understand, can't you, why you would do that. You would do that if that was your child. You'd do it, wouldn't you? You know, if there's a hope. It doesn't matter how, how slim the hope is. It doesn't matter how big. There is just a hope and so they, uh, they're making another plea to the court to say, please, please, can we take him to America? Because they've said that they can do something. You know, let's, let's try and prove the medical experts wrong. Um, what else do we have today? Oh, I can't even begin to tell you about Louise Thompson. I mean, really, I mean, just <sighs> this stupid person from Made in Chelsea. I always thought she was a bit dim and tweeting pictures of her in a bikini the other day. You know, and everybody else is going, you know, are you completely ignorant? And she goes, no, I'm not ignorant. I'll just, you know, perhaps she just didn't think. Perhaps she didn't have a brain. I don't know. Uh, also, because it's Chelsea Flower Show at the moment, the Queen went the other day. Uh, the good and the great have been. Oh God, it'll be just your nightmare if Eugenie or Beatrice turn up with the, uh, with the father. Um, and also, how much, ladies, could you spend in the course of a year on getting your hair cut and coloured? You know, so going go for a hairstyle. There is one lady in the paper today who spends £10,000 a year having her hair cut and coloured. And there's another lady who spends 20 quid a year. And you can have a look in the paper and work out which one you think looks uh, better. You could tell by the way I'm saying that. But uh, it's the 20 quid one that looks better. Also, uh, Colin Firth wants to be Italian. Why? Because he, um, he decided that uh, with Brexit around the corner and everything else that he was going to have dual nationality. His wife's Italian, so he's decided that he wants to be uh, Italian as well, so get a dual passport. There's also a police officer who's got two warrant cards, one in the name of a man, one in the name of a woman. Must be the first police officer who's trans but gets both cards. So depending on what he or she is thinking at that particular moment, they can go out as that particular person. So if they go out dressed as... So presumably they've got two uniforms... They've got the male uniform and then they've got the female uniform. I wonder how much more different it is. Uh, also, the shoplifting gangs in this country, who know they won't get nicked, because the police just don't really have enough time, do they? They really don't. So people just uh, commit crimes nowadays and we just go, shoplifters, you know. Whereas I just have sort of an electric ray at the door. So as they go through it and it sounds the alarm, zzz, you know, and that's it. You know, it'd be an awful lot better, wouldn't it, really? Because I'm sick to death of watching shoplifters. There's also a fraudster. She walks free from court. 38,000 quid she thieved. There's all sorts of people in the papers today. There were all sorts of people in the papers yesterday who, again, annoy me intensely. People who go, oh, yeah, I'm a single mother. And it turns out they're shacked up with the boyfriend. It's just a load of cobblers. This one got caught out, the single mother, because the boyfriend registered his parking permit at her house. So they knew he was living there. 
And she'd thieved about 70,000 quid, I think, from, uh, from Wales. Embarrassment for Welsh Wales, isn't it? But there's a lot of those recently. I don't know why. Uh, also, the big issue, benefits fiddle. Did you know about this one? You will. You might have to think twice about giving money to big issue sellers because it seems that it's quite a big problem. But the, uh, the woman who nicked 38,000 quid, uh, she walked free from court. Do you know why? The judge said, I hate sending women to prison. And because she had, um, uh, she had um, a clean record, she hadn't committed any crimes before. That soy sauce is dreadful, isn't it? Oh, that's awful. It's the trouble they put it with a duck, you know. You go like that. Awful. Never mind, you'll learn. And, um, and so he, he lets her walk free. I'll name her on this programme this morning. Um, and also I've got a, a luxury treehouse in Chelsea. It's at the Chelsea um, Flower Show. And uh, the price for this one, it's, it's, it's not big, but it's, it's quite a nice thing to have if you were looking at sort of having a nice little treehouse and you had a bit of spare cash lying around. 80,000 quid, ladies and gentlemen. 80,000 pounds for this, uh, this treehouse. And also the end of the circus for Barnum and Bailey. It's the land of the freaks. That was the circus that brought you the freak shows. And I used to go to the Newbury Fair years and years ago. There was a name for it. I can't remember what it was called now. But anyway, it was an amalgamation of lots of fairs that would come together on Northcroft, uh, a place in Newbury. You'd go down a little side street and there's Northcroft at the end by the swimming pool. And the fun fair would be there. And they would have the freak shows. I can remember, you know, when I was a, a child, you'd go to see the two-headed lady or the sort of the, the, the pickled monkey in a bottle, which was really a human being. and all the, It was all that kind of thing. It was all right, load of old rubbish. It really was, but people paid for it. But in Barnum and Bailey, they had, I think they were the first ones to exhibit General Tom Thumb, Jumbo the Elephant, who wasn't as big as people thought he was, but of course people were still, people hadn't seen things like that. And uh, Colonel Tom Thumb, who wasn't as tiny as people thought, there was another one that they used, but he was a child. And so they sort of dressed him up in a little suit and pretended he was an adult. Of course he wasn't, he was just a little child. Uh, Eugenie acting like a, uh, a princess and... Um, oh, right. Lovely. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've just realised where I'm going on the 1st of July to the O2. I've never been to the uh, O2 before. I don't even know how you get there. How do you get to the O2? Underground? Can you do that on an... Oh, right, from Waterloo. Is it very far? No. Is it, is it probably easy to drive? Or is it... Not from where I am. Oh, OK. Oh. Warren, it might have to be a chuff-chuff train. Might have to get a chuff-chuff train. I'm going to see Cliff Richard. He's playing at the O2, so, uh, so that's it. So, you, so you, think, you think better. Oh, Warren's going to drive. Are you? Must be mad. Mad as a broomstick. Perhaps I should meet you at... What do you think? Is it easy to go from Waterloo, then... If we're driving, do you think you should park at Waterloo and we should get a train down there? Or is it or is the train going to be a nightmare to get back on? Yeah. Is the parking at the O2? Some. Very expensive. Money is no object to us. No object. In between him and me, we're not worried about money. <laughs> well, when you say it's expensive, how much do you think is expensive? Put it this way. I park in Covent Garden. Four hours in Covent Garden is about 16 to 18 quid. We're very thrifty. How much is it? Well, how much to park? How much to park there? Well, just guess. Just do a guess. Oh, what, what Warren says, I don't do trains. We'll get a helicopter. <laughs> now, that would be funny. That would be very funny, actually. That would be very funny. First of July, that is. So what are we up to now? April. What are we up to now? We're up to May. June, July. Oh. £26. Pounds. What, to park? 
It's only 26 quid to part, Warren. That's all right, isn't it? I can manage £26, I think. I'll have to go and raid the piggy bank. I did my VAT yesterday because they've now put up the flat rate. It's all right. Pain. It used to be 13.5%. It's gone up to 16.5%. Makes quite a bit of difference, as you can well imagine. Anyway, oh, I'll try and get myself back in order today. There's so many stories. The, the one about Eugenie acting like a princess, they, uh, they prove that side of the family that sometimes they're so far removed from the real world that you just, even if you banged their head against a wall, it wouldn't make any difference. You still couldn't actually knock any sense into them. And there's a, a very interesting uh, piece on it from Alison Phillips we'll come round to. Also, Lauren Goodger, you remember her? No, I didn't think you would. Unfortunately, poor old Lauren is, uh, is some well-known old has-been from Towie from years ago. Used to go out with Mark Wright and then couldn't let go. And she's got one of those trout pouts. But I don't think she'd had any surgery. She just had a trout pout. And uh, anyway, she's got a new boyfriend. And boyfriend is convicted criminal. He's in prison for 16 years. He might be coming out this year, though. Whether he's done 16 years, or I don't know what he's done. But uh, he was in for all sorts of things. But it's the best that poor old Lauren can get. And Lauren's saying, I'm going to get my body so buff... Because he always tells me how beautiful I am. I thought, listen, if you're in prison with a load of men and you're not gay, a paper bag looks attractive, dear. So don't get too excited about it. You know what old crims are like? You can't believe a word they say. That's why they're crims. But never mind, it's the best that you're going to get. Must have a word with fern. Anyway. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five is uh, the time. Also, another BBC presenter being lined up for getting really boring now, Strictly Come Dancing. Apparently, she stood in for Alex Jones on the one show, and they go, oh, the public will be... Let's push her forward, and we'll all go, not her again. Because that's the, that's the way it's uh, going to be, isn't it, really? Angela Scanlon, yes. She's the, uh, she's the latest, Angela Scanlon. So if you weren't bored with the rest of the people that they drag up there, you're going to be really bored with her. She's another, hi hey, and uh, she's sort of covered, you know, different uh, shows for them. She's apparently done Robot Wars or something, rivetingly exciting. But uh, they've obviously decided that they haven't got anybody else, they'll push her. And so, as I say, you, everybody's going to be going, who is she? Because if you don't watch the one show and you've never even heard of Robot Wars, what's the point? Uh, also, the transplant. This was a marvellous transplant for this, um, for this guy. Uh, it was a willy transplant. Uh, unfortunately... They made a slight mistake. He's a black guy, but they've given him a white willy. Now, I don't want to be the first person to sort of point and laugh, you know, going, they've given you the wrong colour. It reminds me of the bloke who's sitting at home and he says to his wife, he said, you know, I'm sick to death. He said, I'm going to the pub. She said, well, take the dog. And he said, take the dog. She said, yes, if you're going out to the pub, take the dog with you. He said, I am not going to walk down the road with a poodle. And she says, take the dog out. So anyway, he gets a little jewelled collar on, puts it on the poodle, walks out the door. It's got one of those little lion cuts, a little ball at the end of its tail and all the rest of it. And he walks down the road and his mate's just coming out of the pub and he goes, what are you doing, Frank? He said, I'm just going in for a drink. He said, new landlord, he said, you can't take the dog in there. He said, what do you mean? He said, you can't take the dog in there. He said, it's a new landlord, he's forbidden dogs. He said, he said, the only dogs allowed in, guide dogs. So Frank goes, OK. So he walks in the pub orders his drink, landlord comes over and he says, excuse me, mate, he said, there's no dogs in here. So the bloke goes, it's a guide dog. And the landlord goes, guide dog? He said, guide dogs are Alsatians or Labradors. And the bloke goes, what are they giving me? 
make up your own jokes as you go along. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Da, 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 da. Honestly, small wonder this programme just, you know, just picks up people left, right and centre, which is nice to have you covered. But I was I, just going back briefly, I was heartened the other day by literally, uh, I can't begin to tell you how many emails I got from people from around the world saying, you know, I think LBC has been exemplary. Even Ian Dale sent me a thing. Did you hear about that? I know. He, was, he sent me a thing yesterday. I didn't know who it was, actually, because I had to go back and check. Because he, his, his number doesn't automatically come up in, uh, in my book. And, um, and so it said... Wait a minute. Because I, I, I didn't know who it, who it was, actually, which was uh, good. And, uh, and, and he said, you were superb this morning. So I went back in and checked. And, uh, and it was Ian Dale. This is the one who got recognised for me on a station, you remember, by somebody who went, you're Steve Allen. He said, no, I'm not Steve Allen. I hate to tell you this. But um, <laughs> Warren says, I love Ian Dale. I wish he was single. Could be arranged. <laughs> Want to send some money in or something like that. But uh, so I just wrote back and said, thank you very much. I thought he'd sent it to the wrong person. I seriously thought it was for the... It's it obviously meant to send it to Nick Ferrari or somebody like that. But uh, no, it was me, apparently. So that was nice. 22 minutes to uh, to five. Uh, the eco-boss in the papers today who says plastic straws are a waste. You know why? Because when I was little, and probably when you were little as well, the straws that we had were made of paper. Paper straws we had, which were lovely. And uh, I don't like plastic straws. You can bend them. That was the thing about the, the plastic straws. Uh, but I um, I wasn't that enamoured with them. So I sort of thought, no, I don't know. Paper straws better. You used to buy a big box of paper straws. We used to have them at home. So in other words, you never used to put a bottle of fizzy pop, did you, to your mouth. You'd put the straw in there because you didn't know what had gone on the top. Of it. You'd wipe your hand over it. But you put the straw in. And straws in the, in the top of fizzy pop bottles were, were lovely. Um, so anyway, so, so the transplant man, the black guy who's got a white willy. I mean, you'd think somebody would notice, you know. Well, really? Well, well, you would, really, wouldn't you? Uh, Fern McCann has fallen out with Sam for years. This is according to... They always met all these people who go, oh, but she was like my bestest friend ever. And you think, oh, grow up and get over yourselves. They're just, they're just so needy, these people now. This is Fern who's trying to rebuild her life because she's pregnant with a bloke who's not there at the moment. Although, according to this interview, she's been in contact with this person. Which kind of makes a bit of a mockery of sort of saying, no, I'm putting all this behind me and everything. These people, they haven't got half a brain cell, have they, really? But uh, anyway, so she's fallen out with Sam Fears because Sam Fears didn't fall all over her and go, oh, you were great on this morning with um, Pip Schofield and Holly Willabooby. And uh, also didn't mention. And you think, oh, get over yourself. What a drip. These people are over the age of consent. Quite a long way over the age of consent. Why do flamingos stand on one leg? When you mention it, because it's in the papers for today. And uh, the judge who's bringing the big issue benefits fiddle to an end. Um, Olga says, I'm a Brit. I've lived in America for 11 years. And uh, they were talking about earlier on, Darren was talking about America disclosing info about the suicide bomber. As in Olga's experience, US media is always behind with their news. One week, uh, I had a news item on Steve Allen. Two days later, it appeared on CNN as their new news. We some, I sometimes do something on this programme and, uh, and then I'll open up the paper, sometimes a week later, and it will be, it'll be in the papers a week later. I think, what the dickens is it doing there? What is it doing there? Um, Steve, oh, somebody says Cliff is at the Royal Naval College Greenwich on the 1st of... Uh, it's not the O2 at all. We're not the O2, Warren. Oh, dear, honestly, he's hopeless, isn't he? I could end up sitting at the O2 by myself. 
It, it, exactly. We'll be watching Bross, won't we? I could just tell, actually. But uh, no, it's it's not the O2. It's not the O2. So it's it's Greenwich. We could get a boat to Greenwich, couldn't we? Get the river boat to Greenwich. That's quite nice. So uh, so there you go. And uh, oh, don't forget who the support is. Calabro. I, I can't remember exactly about the the uh, the Dan story, so I'll I'll get that a bit later on from you. So we we're going. We're not going to the O2. No, it's not. He says it's Greenwich. Stupid. So I'd have been sitting there at the O2 with me with me bucket of popcorn and an ice cream melting in my hand, waiting for Cliff to come on. Yeah, and all of a sudden Matt Goss is going to walk on, isn't he? Just to ruin my life. <laughs> Steve, you can get the cable car to the O2, says Robbie. We're not going to the O2. OK, we're going to Greenwich. Part of the Greenwich Music Festival, actually. In fact, I think I can tell you who else is performing down there at the Greenwich Music Festival. Wait a minute. In the back of my mind. Is it Alexander O'Neill? Would he be down there performing at the um, at the Greenwich Music Festival? Would it be Alexander O'Neill? Do tell. Do tell. I'm pretty certain he is. The cliff. Who is? Alexander O'Neill's there. Oh, well, there you go. Perhaps you can pick up on the rest of the interview that we never got. And uh, Michael Ball and Alfie Bow, because they've been touring as well. Oh, it's great. Who else is on? The Jacksons. With Alexandra and right. Oh. And Cliff is with Calabro, isn't he? Is he with Calabro? Yeah. Fabulous. Looking forward to that. Very exciting. And um, <laughs> Warren says, I think I better get a hotel room for the night. It's on the other side of the world. He said Hong Kong is closer. No. Oh, and Little, Mi- and Little Mix. They're not doing it on the night we're there, are they? No. Oh, that's all right. Don't mind that. No, so Greenwich. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I have to work this one out, actually. What time? We'll have to find out. What time does it start? <laughs> I might have to get a taxi back from there, I think, actually. Might be a lot easier. Six, oh, it starts at six. Wow, that's a good early start, isn't it? Starts at... I could get the riverboat. That's quite a nice little journey down there, isn't it? Oh, lovely. There you go. We'll have to work this out. It's not till... Uh, Sam says, I'm hoping to go. I'm going. But apparently I'm going to the O2, ladies and gentlemen. So don't worry about it. Uh, another one here, you can get the cable car. No, I'm not, I'm, right, I'm not doing the cable car. And somebody says, go to the O2 on the fast ferry. It's great and stress-free, says Paul. Uh, but I'm not going there. OK. And then Linda says, LBC, O2 Jubilee line. Exiting the car park is a nightmare. Somebody says, drive, good luck. And uh, Kevin the Milkman, changing the, uh, the tone, says, very sad Monday night. Condolences to Manchester. Uh, belated happy birthday to John Warrington. He wrote to me the other day. He said, it's my birthday. And I said, OK. And then I wrote to him yesterday to say, I couldn't mention your birthday um, because uh, because of the uh, incident in Manchester. So uh, uh, Roger Moore was the best Bond. Best Bond, says Kevin. He never made the role too serious. I, I agree, actually. Uh, should the Queen have made her condolences in Manchester dressed in yellow? Um, yes, because she was at the garden party. She was at her garden party in the grounds of Buckingham Palace, and uh, she wouldn't have uh, she wouldn't have worn black for that. She was at a garden party. People paused at the garden party for the uh, minutes' silence, and um, and that's why. But uh, also, why not cancel the garden party? Uh, in respect, you can't cancel absolutely everything. You can, I mean, you, otherwise you can go. Well, Pat should have cancelled. I don't know everything. Let's let's stop the buses. Let's stop the trains. Let's stop everything for the day. You can't do that. Life has to go on. We we refuse to be 
you know, kowtow by any of these people. So that's why it carried on taking place. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, somebody says, what do we do when these terrorist atrocities keep happening? Nothing. We do nothing. We carry on as usual, business as usual. Not good enough. We're going to be sitting around waiting for another time. Well, nobody's sitting around waiting. Absolutely not. It's as simple as that. You know, we are we are prepared for it. We just have to be aware of something. And um, and then you uh, you just act accordingly because that's that's what we do. But we're not stopping. We're not going to be also these sort of people who commit these things. I shouldn't imagine they've even been in a mosque. Seriously, I shouldn't imagine they've ever been anywhere near a mosque. They're certainly not religious people. They're just murderers. That's all they are. They just it's under the guise of it being religion. But there is uh, there is no religion involved here. There is absolutely nothing at all. I, I swear to God, I promise you there's nothing at all. You couldn't uh, you couldn't change their mind on anything. Uh, yes, Roger Moore was a gentleman. I liked him as Ivanhoe. Shows how old I am. On James Bond, who else to nominate as 007? But James O'Brien. Yes. I quite like the idea, actually. James O'Brien being... But he's not sophisticated enough. He's not sophisticated. But actually, after the break, uh, we will hear a little bit of my interview from 2014 with the late Sir Roger Moore, who died yesterday at the age of 89. So stand by for that in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Still to come on the programme this morning, we'll be contacting our reporters uh, up in Manchester and uh, finding out from Theo Usherwood what this means when the government say that we're now on the highest level of this critical level. What does it mean? Does that mean that we can't go anywhere? Will we be seeing... Uh, police on the streets armed will we be seeing soldiers on the streets we'll do that uh, this morning on lbc just so just so you're up to speed there was a, an interesting piece actually in one of the columns today jane moore saying that she agrees with her husband now that this is not turning into a safe world to bring your children up in especially not after uh, the light of what happened on monday in manchester uh, still to come eugenie acting like a princess in the garage who banned the bloke for complaining about it too much so it's the moaning person, but you will have seen the uh, the other sad news that we had the other day, that Roger Moore, Sir Roger Moore, has died at the age of 89. Uh, Mr Moore and Mr Bond came in to speak to me way back in September 2014. He just brought a book out called Last Man Standing, Tales from Tinseltown, and I asked him about a fellow showbiz legend, the one and only Joan Collins. Joni, uh, she was absolutely lovely. I've known her since she literally was a little more than a child. Um, and she, her father was an agent. He was my then wife's agent and became uh, mine, in, in a sense, getting me introductions to people. Mm. Uh, with a wonderful character, a very handsome man. And then Joan had this lovely sister, Jackie, mm. Who's a very well developed girl? Yeah, uh, and an exceedingly talented writer. As Joan is, Joan writes. Yes, Joan well. writes too. Yes, yes. And then there's a, a brother, Bill, who was a little boy who liked playing with trains and cars, and now is a sports car collector and expensive car collector. Uh, so yes, so Joan, I've I've known and worked with over the years. And, She's lovely. She's I, I've, uh, I've I've seen her over the years at various yeah. uh, events. And she, she just was very kindly did something that I asked her to do, as has done you and McGregor in 
Michael Caine and uh, Stephen Fry, which is, we're recording Hans Christian Andersen stories with the illustrated to be loaded down line for uh, proceeds, parts of proceeds go to UNICEF. And it's a way of introducing children that are not reading to Hans Christian Andersen, who is the most important writer for young people. Still raising money for UNICEF, still after all these years? Well, we need the money. UNICEF needs it. If you think that last week, with all the crisis in the world, uh, 10,000, no, 1,000 metric tons which that's something that fills up 19 jumbo jets yeah. shipped out last week going to for Syria, for Iraq, for the Central African Republic, for Southern Sudan. All these uh, countries, that these, these are the, the emergencies we know about, the loud ones. Yes. I, I always explain UNICEF's work as being emergencies loud and emergencies quiet. The quiet emergency is always there. The loud one is we know it's it's what's going on in Iraq and Syria and what's going on in in, in Africa, the Central Africa. But there is the silent emergency, which is the lack of safe drinking water, which is the need for immunization. We thought we got rid of polio a few years ago. Mm. It's coming back. We have uh, Ebola. Yes. Which... Uh, all the all these things they they just come along, but they have to be combated all the time. That's why all those things have to be shipped out, and why we have to collect money to pay for it. So Roger Moore talking to me uh, way back in September 2014. Jackie Collins, incidentally, died the year later. The year later, he was talking whilst uh, Jackie was still alive. Uh, Sir Roger Moore, who died yesterday at the age of. 89. His uh, book is called Last Man Standing, Tales from Tinseltown. You can hear the slowing down, though, can't you, in his voice. It's only when I listen back to interviews, and I never listen back to interviews. It's always, always a bit disappointing to me to hear them back again, because I suddenly realised, much as though, you know, he was a lovely man, you could hear that he was slowing down a little bit. But f- fantastic. He spent most of that interview with his uh, shoes and socks off. Show me his feet. In fact, we actually talk about his feet quite a lot in the interview, I seem to remember, because he was diabetic and was talking about how he has to sort of cope with things like that. Charming man. Lovely, lovely man. Five to five is the time. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. So the suicide bomber is on the front of um, a lot of the... Uh, papers today. He's revealed to be a British-born jihadi, 22. Obviously had no regard for anybody, least of all himself. No self-respect, no self-esteem, no nothing at all. But uh, you sort of, you ask yourself, don't don't parents notice if there's a change in their child? Do they not notice that somebody's doing something? Why was he not picked up on when he went over to, to Syria? They say he went off for, for sort of jihadi training. What sort of training can there be? You just convince some idiot, like he was, that um, you can blow yourself up. And obviously, the sort of religion they're following, which isn't the same as anybody else's religion, I think they're the only people following it, says it's okay to blow children up. You know, children who've got nothing to do with anything, nothing to do with anything at all. That's what they, that's what they do. They want to go out there and they want to cause as much mayhem as possible. Uh, inside the papers, the, um, the mum, who was literally ten feet away from him as he detonated his vest, uh, he trained... Uh, in terror on trips to Syria. You would have thought, actually, somebody leaving this country to go to Syria. He only worked as a baker. thought somebody would have sort of checked on him, wouldn't you? 
his IT expert older brother has been nicked by armed police. And um, and they've got... Uh, he's called uh, Ishmael. He's 23, 22 and 23. But when you look at the uh, the carnage inside the, uh, the hall, the raid on their lair, as they call it, on this particular estate in Manchester, which seems to be a, a breeding ground for these sort of people, the non-entities, the losers in life, the people who have nothing going for them whatsoever. And uh, they've been persuaded to blow themselves up. Uh, the mum who's uh, keeping the injured girl 14 alive. The cabbies and the locals giving free lifts. I've seen pictures of cabbies in the papers today with them holding up signs saying free free cab if you need it. The NHS staff who came in on their day off. The big queues to donate at the blood banks. I did say yesterday people said I'm going to get blood. And I said, well, they haven't asked for any blood at the moment. It's always good, isn't it, if you can do something like that. And then all the messages from... You know, Taylor Swift and Justin Timberlake, Katy Perry and Justin Bieber and Harry Styles. <coughs> Excuse me, Lewis uh, Hamilton and uh, everybody else. They were just out to have a good time. That's all they wanted, these people. They didn't want anything else. It was just, uh, you know, every single one of us, uh, they say, stands with Manchester. The Prime Minister defiant as the nation unites. Uh, Donald Trump calls these people losers which I think is a very good description. They are life's losers. They're going straight to hell. They're not going anywhere else. If you can convince them otherwise, but they're a bit simple, aren't they? So it makes no difference. He says here, we stand in absolute solidarity with the people in the United Kingdom. So many young, innocent lives living and enjoying their lives murdered by evil losers in life. I won't call them monsters because they'd like that term. They would think that was a great name. I'll call them from now on losers because that's what they are. They're losers. And uh, we'll have more of them, but they're losers. Just remember that. Yeah, losers, pathetic, immature, waste of space people, you know. And uh, why don't they all go stand in a field and blow themselves up? Just, get, you know, take all the grass with you as well, because, you know, you're going nowhere. At least at least your parents won't have to go to a funeral, I suppose. That'll be the one blessing in disguise. But uh, they say now, stop the extremists, the hate on the internet. You could pick up all sorts of guides on the internet, um, to explosives and everything else. It's got to be stopped, hasn't it? But uh, we will win. We will win. We've just got to stand as one. You know, we've, I'm sure that uh, if you think there's something going on next door to you, in the house next door, or across the road, or across the street, then you report it to the appropriate authorities, and then they can go around and investigate. It doesn't have to come back to you. They just, uh, they just go and investigate. If we find something, brilliant, and we can stop it, Brilliant. But the, these people, we've seen them. Schoolgirls leaving to go and join ISIS and then just realising that they're a bunch of murdering paedophiles. But they don't know that till they get over there and they want to come crawling back. And frankly, I don't want to welcome them crawling back, I'm afraid. We really don't. So perhaps we should ban everybody. People have been very draconian. I was listening to all sorts of people saying, you know, the whole families, you know, the bombers' family should all be taken out of the country and thrown back, you know, where, where they came from originally. Because these apparently were refugees. The family of this young man who blew himself up. I say young man. This is young piece of piece of filth. Coming up very shortly, news at uh, five o'clock this morning at Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, the suicide bomber revealed to be a British-born jihadi. He's, uh, he's certainly not the first and he certainly won't be the last. Uh, the judges bringing the big issue benefits fiddle to a halt. And it is a fiddle. It is a fiddle and we've only just uh, uncovered it. Roger Moore's children paying tribute to him as a very special man. Bond dies aged 89. Uh, can you really spend 10 grand on styling your hair, ladies, over the course of a year? Uh, chocolate, cutting the risk of suffering a heart flutter. 
Uh, Colin Firth wants to be Italian. The shoplifting gangs who know they won't be nicked and Eugenie acting like a princess. So out of touch with the real world, it's almost sadly pathetic. And the world continues to send its love to Manchester. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to three minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Uh, The suicide bomber revealed to be a British-born jihadi. Uh, A simpleton at the age of 22, radicalised, went backwards and forwards to Syria to be trained in the art of blowing himself up. As I say, these people must be laughing like drains. You can manage to find poor saps like this to blow themselves up. Whereas uh, all of our dead go straight to heaven, he goes straight to hell. There is no other place for him. The PM orders soldiers onto the streets and uh, there will be more events coming up. There will be more concerts and you should go to them. You should go to the concerts. You should go to all the things that you do normally. We're not going to be beaten by by a couple of people like that. I couldn't care less how many there are in the country. And there might be some. We found some people the other day, didn't we, who were currently being investigated by the police. And um, and you think to yourself, perhaps they're just all simple. Perhaps, perhaps they've all got screws loose or something. Perhaps there's something the matter with these people. Perhaps they're not the full ticket. You know, this, this one only achieved the dizzying heights of working as a baker. Very exciting. Uh, still people are missing after Monday's atrocity. And uh, still families are looking for people. There's one young man he has been missing for, for uh, a day and a bit now. Doesn't look very promising. Uh, please get Charlie one last chance. This is Charlie Gard. The, uh, his parents have pleaded for him. Uh, the Great Ormond Street Hospital have said, listen, in their experience, he's not going to get any better. He's terminal and he's going to, he's going to die. And they've said, please let us take him abroad to... America, because they've said they could do something for him. They're, they're that desperate, they'll clutch at straws. They, they want their son. They want that miracle. They want that miracle of life, uh, which is what so many people are wanting at the moment. But at the moment, the courts are not backing down. They've said no. Princess Eugenie acting like a princess. It was some ridiculous interview this poor child gave the other week about, you know, how her boss in an art gallery lets her have... To, if she asks for sort of the afternoon off to go on holiday with, uh, with sort of family, he just lets her go. Do you think, oh, just like normal people? I don't think so. That's why, you know, of course, if she wasn't a princess, then uh, Eugenie would have been fired from this job ages and ages ago. Lauren Goodyear, uh, she was on TOWIE ages ago. She's... She's a rather, I don't know how you describe Lauren Goodyear. I can't think of any words that sort of describe her apart from she's an ex-person from The Only Way is Essex. Uh, and the best she can get now is a criminal. He was sent away for 16 years for various misdemeanours. And uh, anyway, apparently he's been complimenting her on her figure. And so she wants to look her best when he gets out. It's a lovely story, isn't it? Attaches itself to the cockles of your heart, ladies and gentlemen. He's in prison for all sorts of things, including, I think, possession of a firearm and uh, assault. It's quite a long list, obviously, for 16 years. You don't give that to somebody who pinched four penny chews or something. But uh, Lauren Goodger says he's always paying me compliments. That's lovely, isn't it? So touching, dear. As we all know, it's going to end in total disaster again. It's only because you're the only thing available. You know, at the moment he's in prison with a lot of men, so he's been enjoying their company for a while, and now he's sort of... He sort of discovered you because that now gives him, you know, a bit of uh, bit of fame. Amazing how these uh, Essex boys seem to be craving a bit of fame. Uh, Louise Thompson proves she really is as dim as we all thought she was in the first place, tweeting pictures of herself in a bikini when everybody else is talking about the atrocity in Manchester. She says, I, you know, I wasn't being ignorant. What do you call it, dear? What do you call it? It's the trouble with these people, isn't it? They don't, they don't quite see, they don't see the whole picture. Um, chocolate cutting the risk of suffering a heart flutter. Which is, uh, which is good news, I suppose. 
And uh, in Chelsea at the Flower Show, it's a luxury treehouse. 80,000 quid will get them to come and put it up in your garden, but provided you've got a tree to attach it to. That's why it's called a treehouse. And if you're just waking up this morning and still trying to digest all the latest news coming from Manchester after Monday night's horror, we'll cross there in about 10 minutes' time to speak to our reporter, Alex Wallace. Okay, so uh, we'll be doing that. It's now 8 minutes past 4. I don't know why I'm giving you time checks. I don't like to give people time checks on this programme. I think it's a terrible waste of time. Rita Ora, good Lord, out. Another dress, another red carpet, another... What do you do for a living, dear? Just turn up for places? You're becoming the bore of the century, I'm afraid. It's very nice that you turn up for these things, but nobody knows what you do. I noticed that voice. Roger Moore was like a male equivalent of Joanna Lumley. Yes, I suppose you could say that. And uh, somebody says, when one of these scumbag bombers come to light, the police say they were on their radar. If so, why are they allowed to walk around the street seemingly doing and saying what they like? They should be picked up and held. The trouble is, and it's the old argument, Albert, that unless you've actually got them doing something, you can't pick them up and just hold them. You can't do that. You've got to have the reason. It's, it's no good saying, well, we think you're on our radar, so we're going to pick you up. They've got to have done something, and if they don't do anything then what can you do? There was a convicted fraudster, a Nigerian fraudster. He tried to... He, he's been in prison in this country for quite some time. When he came out, he claimed he was wrongly imprisoned, um, being held. It was against his human rights. The fact that he's a, you know, a convicted fraudster is neither here nor there. Anyway, they've given him compensation. A pound. One pound compensation. Ha, 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 ha. That's what we're to see more of. Some people have their cases held in this country, you know. I don't know why. It's got nothing to do with us half the time, but uh, there you go. And, uh, and somebody else says uh, all these terror-minded fools who are walking around freely need to be locked up. But you can't. You can't just lock... It's like saying, wait a minute, you look like a bank robber. Let's lock you up. That will stop you being a bank robber. You look like, you know, you're going to interfere with children. Let's lock you up because you... Unless somebody's actually done something, in the case of these people, I agree with you. I mean, I would think nothing better than going, let's get them off the streets, get them locked up, just put them on a plane and push them off into Syria, Libya. Go and live wherever you want to, but you're not coming here and you can take your family with you. Because otherwise the families must be incredibly dumb if they don't know what's going on with their own children. Most parents know what happens with their children. You know, they must know these sort of things. I mean, my, my parents, I mean, it's quite possible they didn't. But, you know, if you know your children, if you really know your, your children, do you not notice strange things that they're doing? You know, do you not think the parents would be sort of questioning, you know, if a child all of a sudden started going to France every weekend? They go, where are you going? They go, France. What are you going to France for? Uh, France. You know, and you'd think, would not alarm bells ring? Do parents not sometimes see what everybody else can see? I remember once a friend of mine saying, he said, uh, he said, uh, my parents never knew I was gay. Well, of course they knew you were gay. Don't be so ridiculous. It's like Paul Burrell, isn't it? Only Diana knew I was gay. Everybody knew you were gay. Everybody knew. That's the, it's, it's the ignorance of some people, isn't it? It's sort of obviously not working on the assumption that other people have got eyes, you know, not only in the front of their head, but in the back of their head as well. 84850 steve at uk. Also, the OAPs in Care Up. Um, this is a cash warning here. It's all coming on at the moment, isn't it? There's so many things to worry about. Also, what's happening with the election? Are we put that on hold for the time being? So how long are we holding it for before we sort of get round to at least Friday? Oh, there you go. Plus, I will tell you about the uh, the big issue benefits fiddle. It's, it's an interesting one, actually. I, I wasn't aware of it. But apparently it's been going on for some time and they've got to uh, they've got to clamp down on it. Because there's so many people fiddling benefits in this country. This is another one, but these people 
I think what you have to do with the with the big issue, I think, is you buy copies of it, then you sell it and you make the money over the top. I think I think that's how it works. I'm pretty certain. Uh, the massacre of the innocents, tears for the uh, the tragic pop fans, the murderous cowards and their targets, little girls and boys. They don't care. They're not interested. They're, you know, it's they just really aren't aren't interested at all. But they will never kill the spirit of the people of Manchester in exactly the same way that wherever anything else happens people will will come together that's what they were saying the other day they said the one thing about this this atrocity is it brings people together people want to help out people want to do their their bit and uh, and they did and it was the nurses and it was the doctors and it was the police officers and the ambulance drivers and uh, and all the uh, the medical staff the people who sort of rallied around people who came back from their their shifts to go back on shift again uh, also the uh, uh, the story about Roger Moore, as he's died of cancer, age 89. Nobody did Bond better. I thought he was suave, sophisticated. I thought he was great. His kids should be immensely proud that uh, people loved him. I loved him in The Persuaders as well. Uh, and he did have four wives. He was um, he <laughs> like the ladies, did young Roger. And so he had four wives. Uh, I think the first one was, uh, was Dune, then there was Dorothy, then Louisa and Christina. And uh, they also, they had a, a sort of, a rough sort of look that was all their own. It was obviously a certain type that he went for, but who cares? Goodness sakes, Roger Moore would go out with who he likes. And uh, you do tend to find people in the business, because if you're making a movie, or oh, the one person he never liked in movies, he says, uh, he said, I was, I was always told, it's an old line, this, uh, if you haven't got anything nice to say about anybody, don't say anything at all. Whereas me, I'd pop it on a postcard and do it on the programme, you know, if you don't like somebody. And, um... It's it, it's very interesting that the one person he didn't like was Grace Jones. But there again, nobody likes Grace Jones. That stuck-up woman who started laying in, in A View to a Kill, but uh, she started laying into Russell Hart. He'd done an interview with her, and then he turned his back to interview somebody else, and she started hitting him. A rather stupid, talentless woman who sort of just exhibited herself as the fool which I thought she was. Uh, going back to those of you saying the police should arrest everybody on the watch list, you know, it'd be a lovely idea, but you just can't go around arresting. In the book Minority Report, and you remember there was a Tom Cruise film based on it, people are arrested based on the idea of pre-crime. The police using psychics to determine that people are going to commit a crime and so arresting them before they did. Unfortunately, it's never going to be a reality. The police can use their intelligence to stop plots, but they can't just arrest people for being a bit dodgy. Otherwise, you'd be going heavens above. I'd spend my entire life going, OK, you're Nick. Come here. Come here. So I know you're my uncle, but you're still nicked. All right. You're still Nick. You look dodgy because you can't do that. You've got because people, they have lawyers. Imagine if you just lock somebody up because you go, uh, we think you're a jihadist and we think you might commit an atrocity. And it's a dictatorship. You can't do that. You have to you have to prove it. It's like if you were sitting there on the train, minding your own business with your little satchel, and the police go, you, off the train now, spread them on the floor. And you think, what's going on? They go, you looked as if you were going to do something. God, you'd be the first person. You'd be looking for compensation. You would be looking for compensation, quite definitely. Weather forecast, scorching the next few days, and then the summer of sun, an eight-week heat wave. I didn't think it was that much of a heat wave yesterday. It must have, that kind of must have bypassed me. 30 degrees Saturday. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Oh, my God, 30 degrees. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that at all. That sounds absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. Oh, 30 degrees. I can't even think about it. Double it and add 30. 90 degrees. 90, 89 degrees or something like that. Terrible. 
Terrible. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every 19 minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We do till seven o'clock this morning. Well, I don't think anybody could ever have predicted uh, what would be happening on uh, Monday in Manchester. Certainly not the uh, the aftermath on the papers this morning are full of the pictures of innocence, the carnage in the foyer of the uh, the concert venue. Our reporter in Manchester is Alex Wallace. Alex, good morning. Hi. So the uh, what what's the situation in Manchester this morning? Uh, is it scaled down? Is there still a big police presence out there? Is there still an exclusion zone in operation? Well, obviously, we've heard nothing's been scaled down this morning, uh, as Britain is obviously on a critical terror alert now, uh, with military troops uh, out and about uh, on the the streets of Manchester, and that high police presence uh, still being increased. Obviously, Prime Minister Theresa May uh, raised the the threat level last night to the highest possible rating, meaning that she could see that another atrocity is expected imminently. Um, The focus here, obviously, is still on the aftermath and as we know there's still a number of people missing and we had some uh, sad news overnight uh, with another one of the victims being named that was 15 year old Olivia Campbell who was from Bury. Um, many people might remember her mum yesterday frantically trying to search she was on all of uh, the radio stations, all of the TV stations with a picture of 15-year-old Olivia um, as she was trying to desperately find her daughter. Well, last night on Facebook, she confirmed uh, with a message saying, R.I.P. my darling, precious, gorgeous girl, Olivia Campbell, taken far, far too soon. Go sing with the angels and keep smiling. Mummy loves you so much. And I think that's going to be a story of today as more of those victims are named. So was her daughter in hospital? Was she one of those in hospital who hadn't been identified at the time? I'm just, I just think it's taking a long time uh, for people to track um, their, vic- uh, their relatives down. I know they were still last night uh, re- removing remains and bodies from Victoria Station. We're also facing uh, now that the roof has actually, part of the roof has collapsed at the station. So that's obviously going to delay some of the work and some of the recovery operation. So they haven't in fact removed all the bodies as yet? That's what we were hearing uh, late last night. It's just an ongoing recovery operation. Yes. It's interesting the the Prime Minister has now raised the the terror threat uh, to critical, and I I think this indicates quite clearly that there is another attack. I mean, I think we would be foolish to say that there won't ever be another attack. There will, of course, be another attack, because the people who perpetrate crimes like this, uh, whereas at one time they would just set a bomb, now they're, they're not particularly worried about whether they blow themselves up at the same time. No, and a lot of the focus on this as well is not just the individual who carried out this attack, it's who he was working with. Uh, There's a focus on whether he was working with a wider group of individuals uh, that could have been involved in this attack on the arena on Monday night. Uh, We know that there's been an arrest, there's a 23-year-old man that's been arrested in Chalton. There was raids at his former house yesterday afternoon, which which he lived, uh, a house that he lived in uh, quite a while ago, and uh, it just left the residents in shock. There was a primary school that was around the corner and we spoke to one mum who was saying that her, her, prim- her daughter's primary school had been put on lockdown and she, wasn't even know- she didn't even know whether there was a bomb inside there, she didn't know whether she could go and collect her, what time she could go and collect her it's just, it has really shaken this city and we're just going to have, it, it's going to be for days and days and weeks to come as we, people are named and you know, it's just a very very sad time. I think there are also there's news coming in now that three more victims have been named 
Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to find those names at the moment. Three more victims, presumably, as they uh, as they try and uh, piece things together, they will be identifying more and more people. I'm amazed that they managed to find the bomber so quickly. Do we know how that happened? Uh, well, the, they were saying yesterday he actually had um, identification on him, so it, it oh, wouldn't right. have been too difficult to uh, to have worked that out. I'm amazed that somebody would actually go and uh, do an atrocity like this and have ID on them at the same time. But obviously, easy to walk into the foyer there. They couldn't get into the arena because had he got into the arena, I'm assuming the carnage would have been even worse as people would be climbing over each other to get out Mm, I mean, there was talk yesterday that the concert actually um, started a few minutes late. She actually came onto the stage late. um, So that uh, delayed the exit of people. So we could have been talking about something a lot worse. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I I think the majority of concerts start uh, start late. But I mean, in this particular case, it was almost a blessing, if you could ever describe it as a Mm. as a blessing. So we're, we're still waiting for uh, other names to be confirmed. And uh, I think I've got one uh, coming up in a moment, which I'll, I'll do in a moment. But it's, it's incredibly sad. I mean, how Manchester is pulling itself together after this. But I'm assuming yesterday, did, uh, did life sort of start picking up a little bit round there? Were people still going to work? People were still going to work. We were meeting the commuters as they were coming off the trains yesterday and they were in a state of shock, but they're not letting this beat them. You saw the thousands of people that turned out at the vigils, not only in Manchester yesterday, but across the country. Mm. You know, I think the country is really pulling together um, on this and just saying, you know, we're we're not going to be defeated. We are going to carry on. Um, But obviously it's going to be a very sad time for Manchester Mm. as, as today trickles on and more and more of those victims our names. It's interesting that this uh, this outpouring of love and support, you know, goes around the world. It goes from uh, Donald Trump in America to Dubai, literally, you know, everywhere from France, from uh, from Scotland, from Ireland, from Wales. People voicing their support and basically saying we're not going to be beaten, we're not going to be defeated. Uh, the good news is that, or sad news, that all these people who died, they're going to heaven. The person who perpetrated the crime. Has gone straight to hell. Sad day for you, but uh, it's uh, it's a lot more to go yet, isn't it, Alex? A lot more work yes. yet. Yes, it is. No doubt we'll speak again. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for that, LBC's Thanks. reporter in Manchester. Alex Wallace there. A sad day for them. It's a sad day. I know you say, oh, it's just in, you know, that's what reporters have to do nowadays. But if you'd seen the pictures in the, uh, in the papers today, and they're still trying to identify uh, bodies and bringing people in. We think there's three more... People have been identified. When we get those names, I'm just making sure that we absolutely get it right. So when we get those names, I'll bring them to you first on uh, on LBC. It's awful, isn't it? I mean, we just but we we sort of take this for granted nowadays. And this is the way, you know, it, life is going to be. I don't think we're ever ever going to have a situation whereby there is not a terror threat of some sort. There will be somebody somewhere who doesn't like the West. They've all got mobile phones and enjoy the uh, the luxuries of modern trappings, you know, like a house, as in the particular case of the uh, the nail bomber here. He was living in the lap of luxury in a house. Well, it was, it was a house. You know, to be honest with him, I'm surprised he even had that. But there you go. All these people seem to enjoy one bit, but they don't want anybody else to enjoy it. And if they can take a child's life... It's a shame that they, they die, isn't it, really? Because, And then I think to myself, I don't know, what would be the end result? We're not going to bring back the death penalty. We're not going to, to do anything with them at all. But you really want to make them suffer, don't you? And, you, and your worst imagination, the way that they made 
other people suffer and these families who are having to come to terms with it and now with three more people named it's going to get even more difficult as people are going please not my son not my daughter not my mum not my stepmum not my dad not my cousin not my niece not my nephew but uh, there will be uh, many more tears shed in Manchester over the uh, the next few weeks 26 minutes past five is the time some of the other stories in the paper today but it, it is it is all all pictures it is all pictures in the paper today of, uh, of the people who are missing. It's the people who are missing that, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, we're still missing Martin Het. You know, they put... This is the man who's got... Uh, what's he got a tattooed on his... Um, he's got a tattoo on his ankle. Um, of That's right, Deirdre... Why Deirdre Barlow? Don't ask me why. I couldn't work that one out myself. But uh, there's loads of people missing. I'm looking at the names. Uh, one of the missing is confirmed dead now. This is Olivia Campbell who's on the front page of the Daily Star today as being one of the missing. She has been confirmed as uh, as dead by her mother. But uh, the still, you know, Courtney Boyle and Liam Curry and um, uh, somebody else here called Lisa Lees, uh, Alison Howe, Lucy Cross, Wendy Fall. It was predominantly ladies. There were lots of uh, lots of children there. And that there were men as well, but it was it was predominantly a, a ladies' gig. The ladies absolutely love Ariana Grande, but uh, this is the terror that was Manchester, the slaughter of the innocents. There's no there's no better way of putting it to you this morning, and uh, it all comes back, and it will stay with these people for a long, long, long time. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. A friend of mine said the terrorists are winning. Says Jason, my sovereign driver, and uh, I said, don't be so bloody stupid. We carry on doing our day-to-day things. I told him, so they will never win. No, they won't win. We do carry on. That's what, you know, as I've said time and time again, people have said, oh, you know, perhaps we should cancel all the concerts. Perhaps we should cancel this. Why? That's admitting defeat. That's actually admitting that they might have won. You know, calling them monsters, as Donald Trump said. They would love that idea. They would love the idea that they were seen as monsters. Whereas, in fact, you know, at the end of a rope... Uh, I should imagine they'd be squealing like the best of them. We don't get police properly anymore, says Andy. We constantly see drivers using mobile phones, for instance. There's no police to stop them. What we have today are cameras recording some of the crimes with the possibility of a minority being arrested at a later date. It's just, it's a huge, huge problem. It doesn't matter whether it's people shoplifting or people using their phone at the wheel, people not wearing their seatbelt, people undercutting, people jumping. I saw three... um, cycles this morning, motorcycles, jumping red lights. We were actually parked at red lights. And this motorcycle goes straight over. Pizza deliveries in the early hours of the morning around Twickenham Way, they don't even bother with the lights. They just go straight over. If it looks clear, they go straight over. Why do they bother sitting there? I'd love to be a plainclothes policeman. I'd have a field day. I'd be issuing tickets left, right and centre. And then I thought, no, why would you want to do that? they just find somebody else to go and do it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. But we don't, we don't kowtow these people and we certainly don't let them think they're winning because they're not they might have taken lives it might it might ruin people's lives for the rest of their lives but uh, we never let them think that they're winning absolutely not never ever 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 as i said before the british will never be defeated you're listening to a podcast from lbc Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. We're hoping a little bit later on to talk to uh, Theo Usherwood about uh, Theresa May's raising of the terror threat to critical, because I don't know what that means. And I doubt whether any of you know what it means. I mean, it, it just means we're we're on heightened alert because there will be another attack. There will be something. There will be some other person who is willing to kill themselves in the in the name of what? 
in the name of stupid people everywhere. You know, taking it to the different level where you're prepared to actually, at the age of 22, uh, give up your meaningless life. Totally meaningless. You've contributed zero. Never should have been born in the first place. Complete and utter waste of space. Parents must be thrilled. Uh, the bomber from a, a red brick semi. This is the uh, picture inside today. He was the son of Libyan refugees, and that's how they repay us. It's marvellous, isn't it? People come in the country, or we're, we're fleeing terror. We're fleeing this and that, and it turns out their own son is one of those who inflicts the terror. He apparently chanted in the street. He had a face of hate. He was a university dropout. He quit uh, the anti-ISIS mosque. As I say, he was just a simpleton. But when you look at the... The carnage, the uh, the picture after the explosion, uh, bodies, blood and debris just about everywhere. And the people who are staying with people who are quite clearly, uh, they've either passed away uh, or they're not sure what, what has actually happened. It, it only took two minutes. Two minutes. It can be so quick. And in two minutes, so much, you know, hell can be unleashed by one person. Uh, in their own haunting words, pop fans relive the night of fear and carnage. Uh, also the star whose fans became targets of a fanatic. And uh, and people were there. They were there just for a good time. Uh, Safi is adorable. One of the UK's youngest ever terror victims. Eight years old, ladies and gentlemen. Eight years old. Uh, Olivia Campbell's mother has confirmed that uh, she died in the Manchester attack. And there are loads of other people who are missing as well. Uh, there was one, uh, one father uh, looking for his daughter. He said... Uh, he saw other parents just hugging the hell out of their kids as they were reunited amid the carnage. But he said, I can't imagine what parents must be going through when they haven't found their child yet. That's it, because that's the thing. I can now also confirm to you this morning, it gives me uh, an immense amount of grief to tell you that 44-year-old Alison Howe and 43-year-old Lisa Lees, both from Oldham, are confirmed to have died. 44-year-old Alison Howe and 43-year-old Lisa Lees, both from Oldham, are confirmed to have died. Uh, 32-year-old Kelly Brewster is also now confirmed dead as well. I mean, the, the list goes on. There's a picture on the front of the Daily Star this morning of the people. The producer was going through the names. He said, do you have, you know, a name of so-and-so, so-and-so on the front page? I said, yes, and now I'm sort of putting crosses against some people who've lost their lives. So 44-year-old Alison Howe, and Lisa Lee, who was 43, both from Oldham, confirmed to have died. And Kelly Brewster, at 32, is now also confirmed dead. Uh, Kelly was shielding her niece uh, against the blast. You know, and it's just, I mean, these people... And you know what, the, the next thing that we're going to get... We're going to get the first funeral, aren't we? We're going to get the first funeral of, uh, of the first one of these victims. And it's just going to be a traumatic time. But uh, having seen the solidarity... And the outpouring of, uh, of love that was going up to Manchester. I mean, nobody could doubt in a million years where everybody's heart was yesterday. I bumped into a friend of mine in the supermarket and she said it was absolutely... Or even, even Lynn said to me, she said, absolutely awful day. And I tweeted, I don't think the tears ever stop flowing, do they? When do we get a day where there isn't something that happens, where there's some atrocity somewhere in the world or, you know, children die? And you think in some countries they get this every day. They get this every day in some countries. We sort of, we escape relatively unscathed compared to what some people have to go through. This war situation for them is all the time. We get it every so often and, you know, and it's, it's such a shock to us because it's not something that we're used to. We don't like things like that. We're, we're just, we're a little island, but we're big in heart. God knows we're, we're big in heart. Innocent, decent people, says Mick, have had enough. 
get the police numbers back on the street. We've had enough of the uh, of the liberal elites who shy away from reality because they're too arrogant to admit they're getting it wrong. They, d- I mean, it's it just, I just find it unbelievable that people sort of, I mean, especially yesterday after they uh, they canned loose women and they canned uh, this morning. I mean, to be honest with you, you would because this was you know right in the middle of the schedules. And uh, you just don't do things like that. It was all taking place in Manchester. People wanted to go to Manchester with the film crews to see what was going on up there. And then people started twittering about, you know, well, there are news channels that can cover this sort of thing. As if we just dismiss people dying. As if we just dismiss an eight-year-old or a 44-year-old. It doesn't matter how old somebody is. It doesn't matter how young somebody is. It's the fact that uh, somebody's not coming home to a family who is sitting there trying to come to terms with something like this and... As I've said a million times, I don't know how they do it. I seriously don't know how they do it. I'd have fallen apart a long time ago because it's not something, you know, you expect that you're going to go through your life and you're going to have a decent life. And barring illness or picking up some some virus or something like that, you're going to go through to an old age. Eight years old? Eight years old? Nothing, is it? Just a little child. little child who never knew anything. Thank God. Thank God they never knew. And, uh, and the other people, and you'll see their, their names in the papers today, and you'll see the carnage, and you will thank God that you weren't there. You will thank God that your child is safe. You should look after them every single day, every single day, as those parents did for their children, but uh, probably wished at the end, after it was confirmed that they weren't coming back, that they just hugged them to death, hugged them to death. Just absolutely awful. You know, we, we, but we get through it, don't we? We get through and we... And we go, you're not going to defeat us. I can, I'll punch you in the face if you come anywhere near, you know, any of my godchildren or anything like that. I couldn't care less what happens to these people. But as I say, they don't care what happens to them either. That's the trouble. Years ago, you dealt with somebody who, who had a bomb and they set it somewhere, put it on a timer like all the films. And then they left the scene. Nowadays, they've got it strapped to them. They don't care. They don't care that they're dying because some idiot, another one of these pathetic wastes of space said to them, oh, you're going to, you're going to be finding some virgins in heaven. There is no heaven for you, scum. There's nothing for you. There's no virgins. Nobody's going to be interested in you. But they managed to convince them. They must be really mentally ill. They've obviously got some screws missing. There must be something that they don't have in their brain. I mean, as, a, as we ask yourself the question, what could somebody say to you that would make you strap explosives to you and go and blow yourself up? Nothing. We've had little suicide bombers before. Little children who they've strapped it to. One of them was sitting in a lorry. He was crying because he pushed his detonator and it didn't work. And he thought that was it. He thought that was the end of his life, really. It would have, would have been had he pushed the button and it worked, but it didn't work. He thought that was the worst thing ever. What, they, what do they say to these people? You know, can we see the training manual of what you say to somebody to convince them that they can go and, and kill people who've got nothing to do with them? As I say, ask any of the people or the families, you know, what do you know about ISIS? They don't know anything about ISIS. They don't know anything about people's ideals, what they're adhering to, what religion they follow. Certainly not the religions of other people, is it? If they're on the radar under the Terrorism Act, that should be enough to hold them. You can't, though. That's the trouble. You absolutely can't. That's what we thought we could do before. And then, of course, when they all come outside, they start claiming compensation. They manage to find lawyers. I mean, can you believe, really, that in this day and age, convicted paedophiles up there in Rotherham and places like that, nine men, is it nine men? Seven men are out, two are still inside, uh, for committing uh, paedophile acts against young girls. They're fighting deportation. They're fighting deportation. You know, they've actually managed to find lawyers who will fight for them to stay in this country. Convicted paedophiles have just come out of prison. 
back into the same area. What in God's name is going on in the courts today? You know, a judge who says, I don't like sending women to prison. Why? What do you think Myra Hindley was? You know, she'd come up against the judge. Would he be going, oh, well, I don't want to send you to prison. We've become too weak, too liberal, too sort of, you know, wet, too drippy. Just need to toughen up a little bit. And that's when something like this happens. We do toughen up, don't we? Because you have to. Because otherwise you'd just be in, in tears all the time. And eventually, as the uh, as the father of that little girl who died at Drayton uh, Manor Park on the uh, the ride, the water ride, as he said afterwards, he said, I don't think I can cry anymore. He said, I don't think I've got any more tears. And that's how they'll be in Manchester this morning. But we just we just put it down as numbers, don't we? We go, oh, 23 people died, 22 people died, 50 people were injured, 59 people were injured. You just see a number. You don't see anything else because we don't know. If it happened to us, we'd be well aware of it. Every single one of those people, like Hillsborough, all over again, where people died and, you know, the, the newspapers who sort of pushed it under the carpet and stuff like that. You know, the pe- they don't forget. People do not forget. But in this one... I don't think there'd be anybody in Manchester who could ever, ever admit that the world ignored them. Absolutely not. We're absolutely with you 100% of the way. We're right behind you, if not in front of you, shielding you. You know, it has been, I think, possibly the worst tragedy that I could uh, think of. And we've, I've lived through some tragedies like we all have. My God. But, you know, you knock us down, we stand up again. Knock you down again, we stand up again. That's what we do. That's what we do. Uh, more of your texts and emails. 84850, steve at uh, I did say earlier on that the, uh, the weather is scorching, apparently. Uh, and then it's going to be a sizzling summer. I, for one, am dreading it. I know many of you are going, how exciting. And I'm going, unfortunately, I don't do hot weather. Hot weather just makes me really, really... I'm never wearing the right clothes. I seriously am never wearing the right clothes. I mean, I brought a jacket in today. I know... Halfway through today, somebody's going to go, why are you wearing a jacket? And I'm going to go, well, because I just am. It's like, if somebody said to me it's going to rain, do I have an umbrella with me? Yes, I have an umbrella with me. Because just in case it's going to rain. So the weather, the weather can never be good enough for me, because I don't know what sort of weather I'm looking for. I really don't. Uh, they think there is a possibility of a wider group of individuals responsible for the Manchester Arena attack. So in other words, we're just looking about one patsy out there, who was the one who obviously got the short straw. And thought he was being terribly big and clever, but there will be others. And uh, I wonder how long it will take these security services to actually find them. I bet it won't. Listen, they worked fast the other day. They worked for, but apparently he was how he had identification on him. He had identification. Isn't that bizarre? I thought that was very bizarre. A little bit later on as well, probably around um, that twenty past six, the uh, the Prime Minister Theresa May. Uh, gave a speech the other day, which I want you to hear because I think it's very important for those people who missed it yesterday and you didn't hear it earlier on with uh, with Darren Adam. I'll, I'll play that to you this morning. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, Abri. Little Julie says, you're quite right. We don't give in, Steve. They've not won, but I am looking forward to seeing Take That at the O2 in a couple of weeks' time. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming in a couple of weeks' time, does, is, this is going to sound so awful. Will things be back to normal? Not in Manchester, not ever again for the families of those who've lost loved ones. But, you know, for other people, they'll be going, I mean, do we cancel everything? Somebody complained earlier on that the Queen was wearing yellow at her garden party uh, when she gave the speech and they stood for a, a minute's silence. But that's what she wears there. She's not going to be wearing black. And they wouldn't have cancelled the garden party. 
Uh, take that cancelled. Their concerts, Ariana Grande's cancelled her concerts as well. Been lots of dates that have been cancelled for people because it's it's just too sensitive. I mean, how on earth take that? And they realise that could have gone on stage in Manchester uh, and gone, yeah, here we are, and all that. it just wouldn't wouldn't be happening, would it? Wouldn't be wouldn't be happening at all. But I'm assuming probably in a in a few weeks' time that uh, these concerts will take place and uh, people will go there. But we're not going to be put off, are we? We're not going to be put off going to concerts. Uh, Kim says, uh, for saying you're all with us means a lot. We all pull together up here, but it doesn't stop the sadness. That's what I said. That's what I said. Nobody can ever know, Kim, and and I put myself at the top of that list, what it's like to to lose somebody in something like that. Sure, I've lost family members and mum and dad and things like that, but that's just through normal death. I mean, this is nothing that the people up there... You know, the people who went out for that night to go and have a, a nice time at a concert, you know, thousands of people, 20,000 people packed into there, and uh, they weren't to know that something like that was going to happen. And that's why I've said it's always, it always sounds so dreadful, doesn't it, when you say, oh, we understand exactly how you're feeling. That's a stupid thing to say, because we don't know how you're feeling. I don't know how you're feeling. I just appreciate the fact that it's the worst thing that could ever happen. It really is. I mean, I just... Uh, yeah, I, do, I think what we do is we sympathise. I think what we do is we empathise with you as well, and we and we try and put ourselves in that same situation. But until you've seen the pictures in the, in the papers today, if you look at the... Uh, the pictures in in all of the papers it's just carnage it's just carnage it's just the most awful thing the most awful thing that you could ever imagine so i pray it doesn't happen again but i'm not that naive i know it will happen again we just don't know where we don't know when we don't know how bad it will be because there are these people out there many of whom have been given sanctuary in this uh, in this country like this particular bomber his parents were refugees they came over and this is how he repays this is how he repays you know, it's... Pfft. Why don't you get a sun umbrella, says Marilyn. Tell me with the heat. I've got a sun umbrella, but I'm just not walking about. I see a lot of um, Japanese people in town. A lot of Japanese women have sun umbrellas up they, to keep the heat off them. I'm just going to look. No, it's just actually an umbrella. And I've got... I'm not wearing an umbrella. I have to look ridiculous. I look bad enough as it is. But I've, I've got at home some bamboo umbrellas made with waxed paper because I remember them from Hong Kong. We had a Chinese shop in Twickenham and I bought... Uh, quite a few years ago, which makes me sound slightly odd, I agree. But uh, they're lovely, and I just, I love the smell of them. The smell of waxed paper on these beautiful bamboo um, umbrella things. And then I've got one in blue metallic, gold metallic, and silver metallic. I was going to use them for a show. What as? I've got no idea. But uh, I suppose I could walk down the road holding this over my head, but I'm just going to look ridiculous. It's like, you know, I've got an umbrella that lights up. It's got little twinkling lights in it. And uh, and, it, and it's lovely and it looks absolutely beautiful. And every time I've used it, people go, wow, where'd you get those from? How much are they? And, uh, and I always tell people and then but I'm, I'm frightened to use it by myself because it makes me st- look a bit of a prune standing at the bus stop with an umbrella that lights up and twinkles, you know, all over the place. Cause it's got little fibre optics. Uh, Steve, yesterday afternoon I was having a pint, says Ken in my uh, local reading in the evening standard description of the previous evening's events in Manchester. And as I was uh, reading the horrific story. The tears started to flow down my cheeks. Here's me thinking I'm a tough Aussie. No, you're wussy like all the other Australians. They're all the same. All you Aussies are the same. I know I work with an Australian. Wussy, wussy, wussy. That's what they call you, isn't it? Actually, the funny thing is it used to be seen as not particularly manly to to cry, doesn't it? But more and more people cry now because you do. I mean, at the beginning of the programme, I know you choked up twice. And you don't do it. 
intentionally. It's just it just happens. You can't help it. I think it's because this this overwhelming sense of sadness. Yesterday, when I was tweeting about, you know, I don't think the crying will ever stop. Not necessarily for me, but for everybody else. You know, just when you think we've got over one thing, something else is uh, is is around the corner. And that's why, you know, we are who we are. I think every single person has the ability to cry. I think every single person, except a little boxer I spoke to the other day, who said as a, as a child she cried, but as an adult she didn't cry until she got the medal at the second Olympics. And then she got an overwhelming sense of sadness, you know, coming over her. Because you think that, don't you? You always think that. It's like sort of funerals. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of generally quite good um, and can manage to get through a funeral <laughs> reasonably. If it's if it's somebody immediate to me, then it's it's a bit more difficult for me. But I, I try and be good about it. The boxer, of course, was Nicola Adams, who was uh, talking to me for in conversation the other week. And she, I said, but as a child, you did cry. She said, yes, she said, but as an adult, I don't. She, I think she's a bit hardened to that. And you can get the podcast of that programme right now from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet. It's on lbc.co.uk, OK? And uh, we have a free podcast every day. I'll probably have one today. We didn't have one yesterday for obvious reasons, but we will have one today. I'm trying to be... <laughs> it's my New Year resolution. Actually, it's rubbish. I've just made that bit up. I haven't done a New Year resolution at all. Somebody said to me, do you think you might be nice about people one day? I said, I do hope not. Don't want to spoil the habit of a lifetime. Thank you very much indeed. As I say, there's too much misery in the world. Thank you very much indeed for me to sort of, you know, toe the party line and be all miserable about things. Occasionally, I think, taking the Michael out of other people who think they're very big and very clever and they're not really is, uh, is the funniest thing ever. And I love doing it. Absolutely adore it. I'm doing exactly the same as everybody else. Exactly the same. Nobody's, nobody's ever criticised me for telling the truth. Uh, also... Uh, one here from uh, John. He says, we'll never let terrorists win. We survived the Blitz, the IRA and 7-7. We will flourish. Yeah, we, I mean, we will. We've, you know, there are people listening now who survived, you know, wars. You know, soldiers who've survived. Admittedly, I don't think we treat our soldiers any better than we treat our nurses, I'm afraid. And, uh, and that's it. You know, we do survive it. You know, if you ask people, you know, through, through the Blitz, how did you survive? They'll tell you, well, we just did. We just did. People came together. People, And that's what the people in Manchester did, wasn't it? Wasn't that just the most amazing thing to see? That all of a sudden, when you have a catastrophe and you have something that affects people so much, this, this overwhelming sense of, of togetherness comes to the fore and, we, and we're just there for each other. We just do it. I don't know where it comes from. It's just we do it. It's like being at the last night of the proms. It's like being at the Festival of Remembrance. We have a, a great sense of patriotism in this country. We have a great sense of belonging. It is a bloody great country. It's a fantastic place to live. Sometimes there are upsets. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes things test us. Sometimes we fall apart a bit. And probably yesterday, quite a few people fell apart. I bet you anything, there'd be quite a number of police officers who would have cried yesterday at what they would have seen. And the ambulance crews and the doctors and the people who've got to come and pick up the pieces. It's all very sad, very tragic. Uh, Steve, uh, thank you for your empathy for the parents of those who've died. My daughter died through an undiagnosed condition 20 years ago. And although I still have much to be thankful for, I know the pain will still be there for all these parents in 20 years' time. Yeah, you never forget. They always say, I remember somebody saying to me once, you know, they, they'd lost a, uh, a parent. 
And they said, oh, just I cry and I cry and I cry. I said, yeah, but my mum did that after my dad died. She cried every time I would be speaking to her on the phone. Just be a perfectly normal conversation. And all of a sudden, she'd just start crying. And she used to say, oh, I'm ever so sorry. I said, don't be so... Why not? Goodness sake, honestly, it's always nice to have great memories of people. And, and, and the pain lessons, the pain lessons for a child... You know, it's very difficult for parents. You know, if it's somebody who's, I hate to say this, 80 or 90, because I've got people listening to this programme who are 80 or 90, and I always say the same thing. People say, oh, my, my dad, like Roger Moore, you go, 89, and I go, he had a good innings, you know. <laughs> he had a good innings. You think, no, a good innings would be living for the forever. Forever. As Queen said, who wants to live forever? I do. I'd love to. But I'd quite like to make sure that I was sort of compass mentis. I'd want to start going around, around the bend and around the twist or something like that. But you want to cram as much into your life as you possibly can. And that's why in cases like this, it's so difficult. A little eight-year-old who even, hasn't even had a life. Not a you fifteen-year-old. Know, they've never had a life. They haven't, they haven't lived. You can only hope that where they've gone on to, they live for eternity in their parents' minds. And that's what they, uh, that's what they cling on to. That's, that's the hope for the people of Manchester who lost people on Monday night. Coming up to the news at six o'clock. If you have just joined us, it's Wednesday morning. It's the 24th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The world sends its love to Manchester. The parents of little Charlie Gard, please, one last chance. They want to take him to America to see if they can find life-saving surgery. So far, the courts are going... Well, the experts say he's terminal. He's not going to uh, to last. The poor man who moaned at his garage. He's got a Ford Kia. I think that's how you pronounce it. And um, he moaned about how dreadful the service was and they didn't do things properly. So they've banned him. They've banned him from his car. He's now got to do a round trip of God knows how many miles to get the car serviced. Uh, Fern McCann has fallen out with Sam for years because apparently she didn't have her back when she was talking to Fern and Holly. No, Philip, Holly, somebody. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Wednesday, the 24th of May. It's sort of the day after, after. And uh, we're still talking about what is such a big story and such a, an emotional upheaval for radio presenters as well as TV presenters and just about everybody else in the business. How far do you go? What, do you, what questions do you ask? How... How reverent you have to be. I've heard people being critical because they've taken programmes off the television, you know, and people going, well, why can't we go back to normal? Because you just can't. It's as simple as that. This is something that affects a lot of people, a lot of people. You know, we've stretched. We can do it. We can stretch the services that people go the extra mile. People push themselves as far as they can. Police officers came back on shift. There were 400 uh, police officers out there on the streets of Manchester yesterday. And um, and I think they managed to contain it. They're still identifying. We've had three more identifications, which were the ones I gave you earlier. Uh, the papers are, are full today. Again, because they've named the suicide bomber. They've taken another person into custody. And they don't know if this is part of a, a wider plan. You know, we really don't know whether or not it's part of a wider plan. This you have to to wait until we go through, you know, due sort of process. Uh, also, the terror threat level has risen to critical. Uh, we don't know what that is. I'm going to try and find out for you this morning, certainly between now and uh, 7 o'clock, and I will play you what Theresa May said yesterday, because it puts it all into context. Um, uh, the, the people in Manchester are basically saying, how could, you know, a jihadi barbarian murder innocent children? And the answer is because they have no self-esteem. They have nothing. 
They have absolutely nothing. They're persuaded by people who are obviously very persuaded to kill themselves at the same time as killing everybody else. You know, victims of evil, a girl of eight, a super fan and a lovely man. And uh, the names keep coming through of people who have uh, lost their lives. I mean, the blast was time to kill as many children as he could. Luckily, I say luckily, the concert was running late. It started late and it ran late. So the people weren't there because there would have been many more fatalities, undoubtedly had more people been coming down those stairs. Uh, the Queen attacked the act of barbarity. Um, Theresa May says that the terrorists will never win. They won't, but they will put the cat among the pigeons, and that's what they want. They want. They couldn't care less, you know, who the people are who die. They're not bothered whether they're children, elderly people. They couldn't care less if they're Muslim. They're not bothered. They're just totally indiscriminate. They're only interested in fueling their own inability to actually communicate with anybody at all. You can't talk to these people. They're too stupid. We had the three schoolgirls who disappeared off to Syria a short while ago. You know, obviously, you know, an embarrassment to their parents. They must be. Because one of them stole jewellery to pawn it so they could get their, their tickets and we captured them, we put them on television. And I believe two of them want to come back. And I was saying, why? I'm sorry. You, 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 you stay out there. It's a lot easier, actually. Uh, and Britain has now rallied together. Manchester United in a passion to embrace protect, care and heal, and Britain rallied to stand strong against hatred. And that's, and that's what we do. We have to do that. What, do we, you know, what else do you do? You just stand back and go, oh, well, it's going to happen. And it will happen again. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind, but the terror threat, which has risen to the highest level, I just want to know exactly what that means. I want to know whether or not we do see uh, soldiers on the streets. But what can they do? You know, if somebody's prepared to drive a car at people or stand there in the middle of a street and blow themselves up, what, do, what can we do about it? You can't do anything about it. Occupational hazard, I suppose you could put it down to. But we've seen a few of these things now. Manchester's certainly not uh, been immune from this before. John says, I still can't believe what happened yesterday. And uh, he says, you've got the feeling right again today. I don't know what the feeling is. I don't know what... I mean, on, on the, the, uh, the day after... The explosion in the early hours of the morning. I mean, I, I really didn't know what I was talking about. I suppose it, because you're just you're left with this numb feeling. All you're thinking about is I want to communicate to people, you know, how we feel in London, how you feel with all your texts and, and emails and all the people who've phoned up and all the experts who've offered guidance. But at the end of the day, we're no nearer trying to find who these people are and what they're doing it for than we are of, you know, landing on the moon and opening a McDonald's. It's as It's as vague as that, I'm afraid. It doesn't... It doesn't become... I wish it did become easier. I wish we could say we're going to stop these people. Many of you saying this morning, oh, why don't we just lock these people up? If they're known to the security forces, lock them up. And I get, but they haven't done anything. Until they do something, you can't lock them up. And if them doing something means that they blow themselves up, what are we left with? Very little. Very, very little. Tough times don't last, but tough people do, says Sue. Manchester will heal with all the love there. Oh, yes, I've no doubt they will heal. I've no doubt that in a... A year's time, people will be talking about how they got through, how they never stopped thinking about the person that they lost and how there, but for the grace of God, they didn't go to the concert. There will be those people who didn't go to the concert because they were ill or because they couldn't find anybody to take them. told you yesterday, a friend of mine had tickets. There were tickets available uh, to go and decided not to go. I mean, that... That is just sheer luck, I think. Love and thoughts to all the families, says Sue. Uh, somebody says Britain's got to toughen up and hammer these loser scum into the ground. It's May saying we should all just sit back and wait for the next attack. My heart goes out to all affected in Manchester. 
first-time texter to the greatest radio station ever. That guarantees a mention on the programme. Always. But, uh, yes, I mean, I don't think she's suggesting that we just sort of sit back and do nothing. What we're, What she's suggesting is it will happen again. Undoubtedly, because we've taken... The, the level to critical, the terror threat to critical. That means that they think there might be other people involved with this particular person. There might be other people, but because of what happened, perhaps they're a little bit reticent. Perhaps they're scared. Perhaps they're scared of sort of having to go out there. It's great, isn't it? You go, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and detonate an explosive device. And they go, by the way, it'll be on your body. OK, good. Good. Well, you, you kill yourself. Because quite clearly you have no respect for yourself, no respect for your parents, no respect for anybody at all. So perhaps you're better off out of this world. But go and do it somewhere else. Go and, do, go and sit on, you know, in the North Sea or something, bob around on a boat or something like that and blow yourself up there. Because uh, here, it's, we do get stretched. You know, there will be police officers and there will be ambulance crews who have been deeply affected by everything that they saw yesterday. I'm quite affected just looking at the pictures in the, in the newspapers. But as we say, we're strong. We're strong. We will, we will get there. It's just that you can't understand what happens to somebody whose parents are given sanctuary in this country and then their child goes and does something like this. I don't, you see, I don't understand that. I can't imagine why. Somebody's looked after you and gone, listen, come in, come in, come in. And, um, and then all of a sudden, their, their child seems to go off the rails at some point. Seemed to have a normal education, this one. Worked as a baker. He'd had various other, other jobs. Seemed to be a perfectly ordinary, in inverted commas, person. You know, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. We will hear from, uh, from Theresa May, the Prime Minister, in about five minutes' time. We do that just after, uh, after quarter past. Also, chaos in Calais today in the papers, just when we didn't need it. The migrant mobs trying to storm the UK trucks. Still trying to get here. I thought we'd cleared up the, uh, the Calais camp but apparently not so all these feral youths over there you know believe you me we don't want anybody else thank you very much indeed we really don't want anybody else uh and widdicombe in her column today says the right decision not to wear the headscarf this is melania trump appearing in saudi arabia i thought Anne widdicombe would say that i thought so um and uh in a quiet modest dress i thought she joined the army i thought it was some army show she was doing it was a, a khaki number it wasn't the best best item i've ever seen but um, she says, uh, however, it works both ways. If we can go to Muslim countries, dress modestly, but not according to their laws, and they can come to ours covered from head to toe in a burqa. There you go. Go around that one again, don't we, I suppose. Uh, also, the, uh, the, the pensioners pay for not marrying. Older couples who live together without marrying risk losing thousands of pounds in tax and pension benefits, say the experts. Poor old pensioners. Obviously, they get it in the neck from everybody, don't they? Goodness sake, honestly. Also, chocolate, cutting the risk of suffering a heart flutter. I bet that's the kind of thing you wanted to hear this morning, isn't it? You wanted to hear me telling you that it's OK if you eat chocolate. Well, you don't have too much of it. But uh, in seriousness, I mean, you really shouldn't be having very much uh, chocolate at all. Uh, after half past, I'll do the front pages of the, uh, of the papers as well. And then all the tributes pour in to uh, Roger Moore, who's died of cancer, aged 88. Nine. Nobody did Bond better. He was great as the persuaders, as the saint. He was lovely. He used to do knitting patterns. I've got pictures of Roger Moore wearing a, a lovely, lovely jumper and sort of pointing into the distance as people do in these catalogue things. And uh, he was a, he was a model for stuff like that. And then they mm, got him shaken. And no, that's the other one, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, he was very good, actually. Very, very good indeed. Uh, also, the British sailors saved after a whale hit their yacht. 
Don't want to argue with a whale, do you? Goodness sake, I mean, that would be the worst thing ever. And uh, why does Alison Phillips say Eugenie acting like a princess? Yes, she was. In fact, I'll tell you that story as well. And uh, we'll also be hearing from Theresa May in a moment. Plus, we'll be speaking to LBC senior reporter Vincent McAvenny, who's in Manchester this morning, and also to our political editor, Theo Usherwood. That's between now and seven. So uh, I think we're all there. We just uh, just need you on the journey with us this morning. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So to climb the, uh, the big issue uh, sellers who found a little wheeze of inheriting some more money. Apart from selling... They're on benefits as well. We'll tell you more about that one in a minute. They're trying to uh, to clamp down. But uh, now you know this morning that the terror threat level has been raised to its maximum level critical. Here's what Theresa May, the Prime Minister, said when she announced that last night. We again discussed the callous and cowardly terrorist attack in Manchester last night and the operational response from the security service, the police and other emergency services. It remains the case that, other than the terrorist himself, 22 people were killed in the attack, 59 people remain injured, and many of them have life-threatening conditions. As Greater Manchester Police confirmed earlier today, the perpetrator was Salman Ramadan Abidi, a 22-year-old who was born and brought up in Britain. And as the emergency services have confirmed throughout the day, His victims were innocent children, young people and their families. Our thoughts and prayers are with them all. I want to reiterate what I said this morning about the professionalism of the emergency services and the bravery of the people of Manchester. Through their actions, they proved that cowardice will always be defeated by bravery, that evil can be overcome by good, and that our values, the liberal, pluralistic values of Britain, will always prevail over the hateful ideology of the terrorists. In my statement earlier today, I said that the police and security services needed to investigate whether or not Abidi was acting alone. Those investigations continue. But the work undertaken throughout the day has revealed that it is a possibility we cannot ignore that there is a wider group of individuals linked to this attack. This morning I said that the Joint Terrorism Analysis Centre, the independent organisation responsible for setting the threat level on the basis of the intelligence available, was keeping the threat level under constant review. It has now concluded on the basis of today's investigations, that the threat level should be increased for the time being from severe to critical. This means that their assessment is not only that an attack remains highly likely, but that a further attack may be imminent. The change in the threat level means that there will be additional resources and support made available to the police as they work to keep us all safe. As a result of JTAC's decision, the police have asked for authorisation from the Secretary of State for Defence to deploy a number of armed military personnel in support of their armed officers. This request is part of a well-established plan known as Operation Tempera, in which both the armed forces and the police officers involved are well-trained 
and well prepared to work in this kind of environment. The Secretary of State for Defence has approved this request and Operation Tempera is now in force. This means that armed police officers responsible for duties such as guarding key sites will be replaced by members of the armed forces, which will allow the police to significantly increase the number of armed officers on patrol in key locations. You might also see military personnel deployed at certain events, such as concerts and sports matches, helping the police to keep the public safe. In all circumstances, members of the armed forces who are deployed in this way will be under the command of police officers. Precisely how the military and armed police officers will be deployed is an operational decision for police commanders, and Assistant Commissioner Mark Rowley of the Metropolitan Police will be making a statement giving further details at New Scotland Yard later this evening. In the coming days and weeks, there will of course be many events hosted up and down the country. The police will work with the organisers and hosts of these events to come to a judgement about how they can go ahead while making sure the people who attend them are safe and secure. I do not want the public to feel unduly alarmed. We have faced a serious terrorist threat in our country for many years, and the operational response I have just outlined is a proportionate and sensible response to the threat that our security experts judge we face. I ask everybody to be vigilant and to cooperate with and support the police as they go about their important work. I want to end by repeating the important message I gave in my statement earlier today. We will take every measure available to us and provide every additional resource we can to the police and the security services as they work to protect the public. And while we mourn the victims of last night's appalling attack, we stand defiant. The spirit of Manchester and the spirit of Britain is far mightier than the sick plots of depraved terrorists. That is why the terrorists will never win, and we will prevail. Prime Minister Theresa May speaking yesterday, uh, taking the time to 26 minutes past six. So that terror threat level has risen to critical, and as she says, we've just got to be aware. There is no doubt in her mind or anybody else's mind that uh, there will be another attack. Where and when? We have no idea. That's why we have to rely on the security services. Whether or not the uh, questioning of people in Manchester will lead to a wider picture, we don't know at the moment. We really don't know. We have to wait and see. In the same way, we didn't know who this person was till they'd been named on American television, and then they got uh, named here as well. So... You never know, by the end of today, things might have changed yet again. Richard says, what's the point of soldiers on the streets? More targets for these people to kill. They'll be under strict rules of engagement. They'll be allowed to shoot after the scum have detonated. Well, you see, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that would be a deterrent. But, I mean, having uh, security at the, uh, at the concert venue in Manchester didn't seem to be a deterrent to anybody walking in there, as he was able to do. Um, another one here this is Sarah who says I've been with you for over three years love the show 
You make me laugh every time. But this morning, I'm in tears. I can't get my head around it. What kind of scum targets children? People like that. That's the, those are the sort of people who target children. Um, and they deliberately targeted children. They have a hatred, ISIS, well, of just about everybody, probably including themselves, um, of pop music. You know, pop music. They just don't seem to like pop music. If you remember, there was a lad a short while ago, which I reported on LBC, who was beheaded uh, by ISIS because he was listening to pop music on a radio. Listening to pop music. What sad, sick people they must be. What sad, lonely, lonely people. It's terrible. Uh, Joe says, we gave this uh, murderous parents asylum some years ago and this is how we repaid. Well, I don't think probably they knew about it. But I'm always intrigued by that, same as everybody else, and, and probably I'm asking the same question that everybody else is. If you have children, and I don't know if they lived with the parents or if the children lived separately from them, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that they raided this house and there was about 30 of them in, um, in what looked like battle fatigue to me. They raided the house and they, uh, and they took away a person who was 23. I don't know if the parents were there. I've got no idea. Or if they live somewhere else. I mean, it, it does seem to me that you do offer the hand to somebody and then somebody further down the line. Because I don't think they came over with children. The children were born here. Children were born here. So they wouldn't have known that. But uh, So it's nothing to do with them. It just depends at what point was this person uh, radicalised? At, at what point was this person? Was it at school? Where was it? And then all of a sudden to start going backwards and forwards to... Um, to Libya. I mean, I, I don't quite get my head around it. And, uh, Steve, I'm heartbroken for the families who've lost loved ones. The trouble is these perpetrators act so randomly that it's impossible to stop it happening. Yes, I mean, I agree with you. I think it is impossible to stop it happening. I, there's, there's nothing, you know, it could happen anywhere. It could happen, you know, on, on a tube. It could happen in another concert. It, I don't know. You know, I can only... I can only hazard a guess that it will certainly happen again. We're not going to go through the rest of our lives and nothing's going to happen again, I promise you. Uh, it, will be, uh, it will be happening. Uh, John says, my grandmother was bombed out nine times in the Blitz. We keep going. We never surrender. Exactly. Listen, people sort of, you know, were up against the Luftwaffe. In the East End, they got bombed more than most people. But, um, you know, we have, to, uh, we have to stand strong on it. And I don't want to bring anybody down this morning. But, you know, something will happen again. And we're going to go through this again, and probably again, and probably again. After the news, we'll cross back to Manchester and speak to LBC's senior reporter. We spoke to him yesterday, Vincent McAvenny. If you're just uh, waking up, he'll bring you up to date with everything uh, that we know following the horrors on Monday night at the Manchester Arena. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning. For the first time in a decade, the UK's terror threat level has been raised from severe to critical. Nick will be speaking to the security minister to find out what that means for you. Plus, after an American news channel became the first to release the suicide bomber's name hours before the British media announced it, Nick will be asking, how is it possible? Can the UK still trust the US enough to share our intelligence with them? That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. Uh, we'll talk to Theo Usherwood in about uh, 10 minutes' time on exactly what that uh, terror threat means. Now it's been raised to... Crit I mean, I don't understand what it is, so we'll find out for you. And uh, Theo will hopefully be able to fill in the missing, uh, the missing blanks on that one. LBC's senior reporter we spoke to the other day in Manchester. He's still up there this morning. Vincent McAvenny. Good morning. Oh, no, is he there now? Vincent. 
Steve. Oh, good morning. Sorry about that. I, I sort of, I think I was pushing the wrong buttons here in the studio. I lost you somewhere. <laughs> so the the mood in Manchester this morning. They've started naming uh, some more people, um, and uh, I'm sort of beginning to wonder where we go from here. I mean, presumably there is still. Uh, um, um, an exclusion zone, isn't there, around the uh, arena? Or have they moved that now? That's right, yeah. I'm standing at the yellow tape of the exclusion zone. It is still firmly in place. There are still lots of police officers, police vehicles around. I've seen them out this morning as well with police sniffer dogs going around public spaces. So there's still a tense mood in this city. The transport network will still not be fully operational here today. That led to it being quietly, sort of eerily quiet yesterday. People just walking, no cars in the city centre really. Um, so the mood is a little bit tense, but thousands and thousands of people came to that vigil last night in mm. Albert Square. There was a cross-section of religious leaders, of politicians, of uh, emergency uh, workers on the stage. And in the crowd, it really was the case of all colours, races, uh, creeds, and even people who had been at that concert. I spoke to one mum, Christine, and her daughter, Jessica, 10. It was her first concert. She was still standing there in her Ariana Grande sweater. They had had quite a night, but her little daughter wanted to go, and the mother thought it was important to show that what they'd witnessed and experienced the previous night wasn't humanity and wasn't Manchester. It's amazing. The, the one thing that we've, that we've garnered from this is the coming together of the, of the different communities, the way that people have pulled together on this. You know, everybody from the police officers who came back from their leave, they've been off shift, they came back on again, the nurses. I think there were like 400 police officers out there on the streets yesterday. That's right. There was a really heavy uh, police presence, but there was also so many little things that happened along the day that showed that people were banding together. I was standing uh, at the arena from about 4 a.m. yesterday, and people, uh, the first guy, a rabbi, came up with some of his congregation. They had boxes full of coffee and danishes. They were handing them over to the police. People were queuing round the block to give blood at medical centres yesterday after that call went out. A just giving page was set up by the Manchester Evening News. By last night, it had raised hundreds of thousands of pounds already for the victims and those affected by this. And even, if you can believe this, we were standing there yesterday in the media pen, a police car pulled up full of food and water. We were just expecting it to be given to the officers that were around us. But no, the police were handing that out to us as well. Oh. So lots of community spirit here in Manchester. Obviously, it had its darkest night and there will be difficult times ahead. I noticed there was one sort of spark up yesterday where some EDL protesters at the Arndale Centre tried to stage a rally. That was quite quickly uh, shut down by, not the police, but Mancunians themselves uh, cheering them down. So it has been quite an intense day uh, yesterday in Manchester. We've also learnt uh, this morning, Vincent, that 15-year-old Olivia Campbell... 44-year-old Alison Howe, 43-year-old Lisa Lees and 32-year-old Kelly Brewster have all been confirmed to have died in Monday night's attack. That's right. We obviously know that there are 22 people who have been killed, and those include children. The youngest was named yesterday, the 8-year-old uh, and also another 18-year-old, uh, Georgina Callender, as well. It's likely that those names will start to trickle out through the day as police uh, are able to identify those victims and also make sure that they're next of kin know. Uh, people on social media still missing loved ones, though, are still appealing, sending out photos asking if anyone has seen 
uh, you know, their loved ones. Um, and there are still 59 people as well injured at eight hospitals across this city. So medical services in Manchester still feeling the strain. So what's the what's the state of play for today? We've we've got one person who's been taken uh, into police custody who's being questioned, um, who they managed to find particularly quickly. I thought I was quite surprised at that. I didn't realise that the person who perpetrated the crime uh, was carrying identification. Yes, it does. We were being told yesterday morning that this was some sort of lone wolf attack, that it was a suicide bomber acting on his own. That seemed to change through the day when we got news of that arrest of the 23-year-old elsewhere in Manchester. And then last night after that COBRA meeting, which is the Cabinet Office Briefing Room A, that's the highest level security meeting our government can hold, the heads of MI5, MI6, emergency services heads, the Prime Minister, all in that After that, there was the step change. The Prime Minister came out and announced that the threat level was moving to critical, meaning an attack is expected imminently. We heard her speech uh, just a short time ago on your programme. Now, for those saying, oh, that's a bit opportunist or, you know, there's an election on, she's thinking about that, as there was a fair bit of commentary last night. Well, no, that level is set by the Joint Terrorism Analysis Centre. That is an independent body that, in, in association with the security agencies, sets that level. And that parameter means that maximum protective security measures to meet specific threats and to minimize vulnerability and risk are needed in place. So this is the idea that something else is being planned, that perhaps this man was part of a network, part Mm. of a cell, and that is how he acted. Uh, The threat level hasn't been at this uh, critical set level since June 2007 when we had the Glasgow airport attack and also the failed attack, I think it was on Tiger Tiger Mm. in Leeds. And the Prime Minister said, I do not want the public to feel unduly alarmed, but she said this response is proportionate and asked people to be vigilant. It does seem like they did gather some intelligence. They will have obviously been pouring through this individual's uh, computer, internet history. They have also, you know, contacted his associates or pursued them. That was one of the people, the 23-year-old, arrested yesterday. It may have been that intelligence came to light that led them to believe that something else may be afoot. So it will be an ongoing police operation here in Manchester, seeing if there is anyone else involved, if there are any other plots that are currently uh, ongoing, and also, sadly, continuing that naming process of those who lost their lives. Vincent, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm very grateful. Vincent McAvenny in Manchester, LBC's senior reporter. With me in the studio is LBC's political editor, Theo Usherwood, to explain more about what the critical terror threat level actually means, both to the government and to you and I. Theo, good morning. It is the highest threat level, which is the most severe uh, threat level. And in effect, it means that uh, a, a terrorist attack is uh, highly likely, that there is specific intelligence uh, that the MI5 and the security services have that there could be a terrorist attack being planned or in, in the making. And that's why uh, the Joint Terrorism Analysis Centre, referred to there by Finney, has decided to increase the threat level to its most, uh, to its highest level. It's only ever been used twice uh, before, uh, and most recently in, in June 2007, mm. uh, and therefore it is, it's a, it's a, it's a serious decision. I don't, they won't want to keep the threat level at critical uh, indefinitely. It is while 
uh, the intelligence services and the police work f- through a fast-paced investigation to ensure that there aren't any further attacks. Right. So because a, a lot of people are panicking say, because she's saying, you know, there's something imminent. But until they've done the investigation with what intelligence they've got at the moment, once they've eliminated that and then said he was operating alone or was it then we then we know where we are. Exactly. So the police and intelligence services uh, need to ensure that there isn't uh, anything uh, further attacked, that this isn't part of a... Uh, that what happened in Manchester um, wasn't part of a, a more concerted effort or part of a wider effort uh, to bring terror to the streets of the UK. And once they've done that, once they can establish that, then they can bring the threat level uh, back down. The one thing that worries people, and I've been saying it all the time, is we just don't know where, we don't know when these people can operate, you know, either individually as part of a, 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 a wider group. This man was able to walk into the foyer of this place. Nobody challenged him, nobody stopped him, because these people are taking their explosives in there. There was obviously no security outside. It's for getting into the hall that there's the security. So had he been able to get into the hall, and had the concert finished at the time it would have done, there could have been much more carnage than there was. It was bad enough, you know, looking at the at the pictures today. But there's obviously, we need to up the ante on security. It's no good the Prime Minister saying now, we're going to bring the army onto the streets. What's that? What are they going to do? London. Uh, is one of the most heavily guarded uh, cities. And if you look at the key sites around the city, armed police have been, uh, you know, there as a matter of routine. Uh, and there has been, there have been fears that uh, there could be uh, a, a terrorist attack of this nature outside of London at events which aren't so heavily uh, secured. And there is a question now going into the weekend. We've got the FA Cup final at Wembley. We've got um, uh, two playoff finals, concerts right across the country. People want Just to carry flower show, of course. People want to carry on their normal daily lives. But we can expect to see, and Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, has uh, said we, we we can expect to see more armed police on the streets uh, as well. And one other thing about the army, and Theresa May said it in her statement, is that they are being brought in to free up police to so they can get on and do their get on and do their jobs. I mean, it's a, right. there is a resource issue there uh, as well, and that needs to be said. So if you bring in the army to guard particular sites, and they are under police command the whole time. This isn't a, suddenly a move to uh, what critics might say as a military state. They are under police command the whole time. Uh, then it allows the police to, to, to get on and, 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 and work, work as hard as they do to try and uh, ensure that there are no further attacks. So is this temporary, or could this, could this, depending on how long they take to find out anything, determines whether it's, it either finishes quickly or not, but I suspect we should always be you know, on our guard. This is... Um, uh, what's different about this terrorist attack in Manchester was that it was planned and there were expertise involved. Now, if you look back to uh, the Westminster attack back in March, that was one man and a car. It was a lone wolf attack, and it was... And it was, it was easy and very cheap to produce that. The question now is, of course, is that this was, uh, this was involving bomb-making. Um, that is not easy to do, and therefore the police need to work hard to try and find out if this man had any associates. Once they've done that, then I think the pressure will be released somewhat. Excellent. Theo, thank you very much indeed. That's LBC's political editor, Theo Usherwood. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to seven is uh, the time. I must thank uh, Peter Cookson, 
because he sent me a little book that his daughter has done. He said, uh, years and years ago, 16 years ago, his wife died of cancer and his, uh, his youngest has written this book called 30 Days to Bring You Back. And uh, he says, you never know, it might be one of those successful best uh, sellers. A uh, couple of things I wanted to uh, squeeze in just before the end of the programme. Firstly, uh, some of your uh, texts and emails. Nikki says, Ariana Grande has landed back in the USA. Don't you think she should have offered to donate proceeds of her concert to the victims and she should have stayed and visited victims? No. No, I don't, actually. That's probably the wrong thing to say, but I don't. Why should, why should she? Nothing to do with her. She was targeted. She was targeted. And, uh, you know, nothing she can do. And also, you know, to, to visit victims in hospital, we're not sure. I mean, some of the condition of some of the people in hospital is not particularly good. The last thing they need is Ariana Grande turning up uh, to do things. So she's back where she belongs, and then, who knows, she'll be back. Uh, I should imagine again. I've got two concerts to go to, Steve, over the next few weeks, and I'm afraid I'll not be taking my 11-year-old daughter to either. Uh, I'm not letting the scum win, but I'm also not willing to put uh, uh, to put uh, you know her there. I'll happily go on my own with my wife, so we won't need to be deterred by these people. Yes, I mean I can I can understand that. Alison Phillips, writing in the uh, Mirror today, talks about Princess Eugenie. It's a story that we ran on the program about a week ago says uh, she denies she's been sitting on her big art after apparently taking five weeks holiday in her first ten weeks in a new job at a London gallery. So it's not really that bovine gaze she's inherited from Andrew, it's his work ethic too. My boss is lovely, and he understands very much when I want to take an afternoon or go away with family, says Eugenie, denying her special treatment has anything to do with being royal. Really? says Alison Phillips. If you or I carried on like that, the only understanding we'd get from the boss would be understanding the quickest route back to the job centre. As I say, you get uh, Eugenie and Beatrice, and they're really not in the real world. The, the other story I was going to do as well uh, is the story of judges uh, who have cracked down on the scandal of EU migrants selling the big, ish, big issue as a backdoor to claiming benefits. Apparently, becoming a vendor of the magazine for the homeless lets them register as self-employed and pocket handouts. But a court has ruled that a Romanian woman who used this method to access tens of thousands of pounds of in-work benefits should have them stopped. By selling copies of the magazine and netting 50 quid a week, she was able to claim £150 a week in tax credits and housing benefit. Uh, The case came to light after she challenged a decision by Revenue and Customs to reject her application for child benefit. It goes on. Apparently EU migrants have been selling the £2.50 magazine so they can claim they do sufficient work to get a right to reside in the UK and qualified for benefits. The woman began selling the big issue in 2015, three months after moving to Britain with her partner and son. She claimed to work 40 hours a week but sold only 40 magazines, which meant she made £1.25 an hour. Her self-employed status allowed her to claim 150 quid a week in tax credits and have her rent paid in full. I mean, it's just absolutely outrageous. Nobody nobody ever checks these things. Thank goodness the papers start investigating. The front pages, um, as if you needed me to tell you after the last three hours exactly what they're talking about. The mirror, pictures of innocence. The smiling girls, the innocent victim of an act of grotesque uh, barbarity. Uh, hit by a suicide bomber and uh, killed by evil, they've said. The Daily Mail, young girls at a pop concert with everything to live for. Georgina, 18 with a picture of pop star Ariana and Safi, whose mum's fighting for her life. Soldiers on the streets, they say. The Prime Minister says soldiers could be on the streets, mainly to free up police officers, as you heard from Theo Usherwood a short while ago. The Daily Star, uh, they've got 
Bond star Roger dies of cancer aged 89. We're going to put some of that uh, interview on the best of Steve Allen this week, uh, which we did back in 2014. 2014. Also the Manchester Terror. Some of the faces on the front of the Daily Star this morning are people who have now been confirmed as having died. The Daily Express, goodbye Mr Bond, the debonair actor. Sir Roger Moore dies aged 89. He was debonair. He was dead. You will find during the course of this interview, we do talk about feet a lot if you've downloaded it from the LBC website. Evil Beyond Belief, Terror in Manchester, 22 dead, 119 injured, and a picture of eight-year-old Safi. It's not right, is it? Whichever way you look at it, whichever way you try and understand it and try and explain away, you know, why somebody would want to kill children, you, ju- you just you have the most awful thoughts in your, in your mind, don't you, and in your heart. Uh, they've got a picture of Safi, pure, and the evil one is the vile suicide bomber's secret jihadi training going back to Libya. His parents came from Libya and we offered sanctuary. And then we learnt this morning the sad news that Olivia Campbell, whose mother was on the television the other day, saying they hadn't uh, found her, that um, she's died as well at the age of 15. 44-year-old Alison Howe, 43-year-old Lisa Lees and 32-year-old Kelly Brewster have all been confirmed to have died in Monday night's attack. Uh, the death toll is, I think, 22 at the moment. And uh, they're still in the process of naming people. So possibly by the end of today or possibly even halfway through the day, we will be expecting uh, more names. So uh, dreadful for the for the families. The, uh, the pain and the agony goes on, I'm afraid. The Guardian uh, have um, young lives stolen by terror. It's the same picture, actually, of uh, little Safi Rose, the youngest victim. And uh, her school... Uh, She was a a beautiful little girl in every aspect of the word her school said. Georgina Callender, an Ariana Grande superfan and a very lovely popular student, also died. Uh, Theresa May has raised the terror terror threat to critical, and you now know you've had it explained to you. So the reason it's critical is because they've obviously got some sort of information which they'll be acting on to find out whether or not there is going to be more attacks imminent. If they can stop it, if they can question person or persons unknown at the moment then it stops then we can lower it back down again but at the moment it remains critical because they're not sure whether or not this person was operating as a as a lone wolf or whether or not he was operating as part of a a bigger cell Uh, the eye this morning manchester came together united hope not hate they united together it brought a, a community together which maybe had drifted apart a little bit perhaps it gives us back a little bit of of what we think uh, we want this beautiful place of ours to be. Uh, accomplices believed to be at large. That's what the I are saying. And uh, the sophisticated nail bomb uh, kills 22. The soldiers deployed on the British streets and the security agencies investigating possible links with ISIS in Libya. As I say, that's where the uh, the mother and father of this boy came from. And we offered sanctuary some years ago. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Uh, troops on the street in a race to foil a second terror attack. You've just got to be vigilant. And there are so many events coming up, aren't there, to which we should be going, oh, I'm not sure if I should go to that. Well, that would be admitting defeat. You might be frightened, but we don't admit defeat. We literally, we just, uh, we go for it big time. Uh, the Times on the front page, Libya terror link. Manchester bomber flew in from Africa and uh, nobody thought anything. Now they know where he flew from because now they've got a name uh, for him. And that's it this morning. Oh, and a tribute to, uh, to Sir Roger Moore as he dies of cancer. Some lovely words from his uh, children 
saying, you know, what a great pop he was and things like that. And I thought he was too. Married four times. He's left a, a great legacy of some Bond movies, The Persuaders and, uh, and The Saint as well. Black and white in colour. Black and white in colour. Thank you for your company today. I'm, I'm sorry I can't sort of raise a smile, but unfortunately I don't think my heart's quite in it at the moment. It might be as we, as we go through the weeks. I'm sure we'll, we'll get ourselves back to normal. Do you not think so? I hope so. Thank you for your company. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet, which means you never miss a moment. So wherever you are, you can listen to the station. Every day I have a free podcast, and today is no different. I have a free podcast for you, which will be up very, very shortly. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at four. I look forward to your company and uh, hope you stay safe today. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 this morning, it's James O'Brien. We're coming up next with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.